Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Canelo, Kovalev Fight Week rolls on day two of your State of Combat podcast bonus media day coverage. You want the biggest names. You want legends. You want to laugh. You want to cry even, maybe. You're going to love this podcast getting you fired up for when middleweight champion Canelo Alvarez moves up two divisions Saturday to challenge Sergey Kovalev for his light heavyweight title only on the zone. And live from the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, where I sit right now, Friday of Fight Week. I know you took the time to download day one of our bonus pods on Thursday. Rye Guy Garcia, Todd Gresham, Sergio Mora, and company setting the stage. But we upped the guest list quite significantly, your boy, TBC, the Brian Campbell, the SOC, always, always giving you what other shows, what other people aren't willing to. Because they had a full package. Where are they going to get that full package today? Who puts their balls on the line? Who does that who? in boxing? Who? Who? Exactly. Against who, Teddy? Teddy, are you with us? Against who is really the question. Against who? Against who? Against who? It's the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports. That is who. Giving you the big names for this fight week. Today's show. You ready for this? Canelo Alvarez. Sergey Kovalev. Bernard Hopkins. Gonna be here. Kathy Duva of Main Events telling some stories you're gonna need to hear about what this fight means for that company. Dmitry Bivol, the unbeaten light heavyweight title holder. DeZone's EVP of North America, Joseph Markovsky. You know that top bloke from Britain with the big hair going to stop by and tell us whether we'll ever see these cross-network promotional super fights involving DAZN. We got Golden Boy matchmaker Roberto Diaz talking about the fire that needs to put, be put out, which is the drama going on behind the scenes between Oscar and Canelo. Unbeaten welterweight Virgil Ortiz Jr. stops by. The great, the great, the great Larry Merchant. Enough said. Enough said right there. But the, with the guest list keeps rolling, you're going to want to check out our interviews with Sinisa Estrada, Marlene Esparza. They got a big-time fight on Saturday for a vacant women's flyweight title. Oh, yeah, and they don't like each other. So you're going to want to check that out as well. Um, Shout-out to the Zone, Golden Boy, everyone else this week in Las Vegas for allowing this to happen. Shout-out. The State of Combat Podcast. We hit you with the big-time preview on Monday. We're hitting you with the two media day showcases, spectaculars this week of big-time guests. And we're going to be hitting you up Saturday night, you better believe, after the fight. Instant analysis edition. Your boy Rafe Bugs checking in from Detroit, from 8 Mile, B.C. on the ground in Vegas. 
wow, there's going to be some kind of fight, and you're going to hear a lot of, a lot of good analysis, a lot of interesting stories being told around it on today's show. So please get on out there. Five-star review season. It is upon us. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you consume five, fine audio, give us that five-star review. We do love you for it. I love you. I make you a okay. Uh, this is the show, right? This is the show that does bring it to you. Oh, also on the uh, UFC side this weekend, of course, we will have the instant analysis. UFC 244 show, BMF style, late Saturday, early Sunday. Brandon Wise, gentleman Jack Crosby jumping on the ones and twos right there as well. Uh, folks, it's been a fun week. Been a fun week. Mikey Mormile on my, I'm by my side, the producer. Just, uh, Mikey, are you there? Are you locked in? Are you here right now? Can you hear the words that I'm saying? I am here, BC. Uh, you know, we had a good run here. We had a good run. Some big time audio coming this way. This Bernard Hopkins interview, we can put it in a, in a, uh, in a damn, uh, in a capsule and keep it for time. What a, what a, what a performance. There was a lot of gold today and the fans should be super excited about these interviews coming up. All right. We have, uh, uh, we should have got we should have got the sponsor today. All right, we should have got the sponsor. Of course, our shows are always sponsored by the fine folks at Ballsy B A L L S Y Swamp Swamp Bass Seasons upon us. They send me some nice free ish in the mail. You're gonna want to use that. I'll use those men's hygiene products in Vegas. You better believe that. Uh, Mikey, is this your first big time boxing pay per view esque ish weekend? This is my first boxing event in general. Oh, wow. I've never been oh, to a wow. small card, a big card, and hey, we're starting off with a bang. Uh, Vegas humming. Just just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. All right? Just a little bit. All right. All right. That's it. Hey, let's, let's put that little, enough chat for now. Let's get to the big time interviews. All right? Let's give them what they want. They want Canelo offers. They want to get fired up for this fight. They're going to get it right now. Enjoy. Middleweight champion Canelo Alvarez moving up two divisions on Saturday to face light heavyweight title holder Sergey Kovalev. Canelo, you have many huevos fights on your resume. This is daring to be great. This is taking a chance. What does this say about the legacy you've built that you're willing to make fights like this? No, obviamente, eh, hacer este tipo de peleas es lo que me va a hacer eh, dejar un gran legado y es lo que busco al final, ¿no? Eh, dejar una historia en el boxeo y well, obviously, this uh, will take me to make a great history in life uh, in boxing, the legacy that I want to leave behind, and this fight obviously will place me there, leaving a great legacy as a boxer. You chose no catchweight for this fight. Even Floyd Mayweather made you come down two pounds. That gets all the respect from the fans. Why make that decision? No, obviamente eh, lo que queremos hacer es hacer historia y tiene que ser en el peso que es y como tiene que ser, ¿no? También para sentirme satisfecho conmigo mismo. Well, it's, uh, you know, this is the intended to make history, history within boxing, and there's, you know, the weight that it has to be, and I'm very satisfied. I'm very satisfied with myself for doing this. Fans and critics, they're wondering what's it going to look like the first time Sergey Kovalev the crusher with that light heavyweight power connects with you. How are you able to prepare for that so that you know you can take his shot? No, obviamente creemos en, en mi fortaleza física, en mis capacidades como peleador. Entrenamos con, con peleadores más, más uh, pesados que yo. Eh, así que creemos que podemos eh, con esto, ¿no? Por eso es que estamos tomando este, este riesgo. Well, we believe in my my strength. We believe in my capacity. We we trained for this. We trained for this type of fighter. So this is why we took the risk. 
There's been so much drama this training camp. Many people writing stories, quoting you. There's no loyalty with Golden Boy. It's a whole soap opera. So How is that dealing with that when you're setting up for arguably the most dangerous fight of your career? No, yo solamente vine a pelear el 2 de noviembre y eso es a lo que vine y, y para lo que estoy enfocado. I am only here to fight on November 2nd. This is why I'm here and that's all I'm focused on. All right, I can respect that. A lot of people love talking about the drama of the fight. You want to stay and see what happens inside of that ring. Now, I never would have imagined a year ago that we'd see you at 175. You're even having interviews this week saying, hey, cruiserweight, you never know. Are you are you playing with us? Are you teasing us? What's going on here? No, si, ni, ni, ni siquiera yo imaginé estar peleando en 175, obviamente. Y pues lo otro suena loco, pero... Pues mi entrenador dice que por qué no, pues por qué no. I didn't even believe that uh, we were going to be here. However, you know, it, uh, it's, it's, I never thought about Cruiser either. But my trainer is crazy, so we never know. <laughs> your trainer is crazy. You are being crazy in a good way in your willingness to take on yeah. these challenges. What version of Canelo Alvarez will we need to see against Kovalev to win considering his size? Will you need to be a different fighter than you were against Golovkin and the other middleweights? Sí, no. Yo creo que va a ser eh, complicado más los primeros asaltos porque él es un peleador fuerte que sabe utilizar muy bien su jab, su distancia. Eh, va a ser complicado los primeros asaltos para eh, agarrar el timing, eh, su distancia y poder meter mis, mis golpes, pero hicimos un gran campamento y... y, y creemos que después del cuarto quinto vamos a empezar a conectar nuestros golpes. Yes, I believe it will be complicated and you know after the first rounds we'll see he has a great jab, he has great distance. So we're going to, you know, work with timing throughout the rounds and we trained really well. So we believe that, you know, at the fourth fifth round that's where we're going to start making contact. We can't have a Canelo fight without somebody bringing up Gennady Golovkin. We can't have a triple tree fight without people talking about Canelo. You guys are linked. You think he'll be an interested observer for this fight in terms of planning for the future? Do you care? Do you think about Triple G anymore? What's your thoughts? No, la verdad que estoy enfocado en mi pelea del 2 de noviembre. Es una pelea, eh, un gran reto para mí. Eh, una de las peleas más importantes de mi carrera y es eh, lo que estoy enfocando, al, enfocado al final es lo que busco. Retos como este, retos grandes. No, I'm really not focused on that. I'm only focused on November 2nd. This is a great challenge, and we are always focused on important challenges, and this is all I'm seeking. This is a great challenge. This is the, the drama of watching this fight to see what will happen when you move up. How much, even at 29 years old, are you thinking about how you will be remembered? You know, we just had the Floyd and Manny era. Now it's the Canelo era. How mindful are you of of really leaving your stamp as the man of this generation. No, obviamente como uno de los mejores de la historia, eso es lo que quiero que que me recuerde la gente como uno de los mejores y y dejar un gran ejemplo para para todos eh, aquellos que quieran eh, ser y llegar a a ser lo más grande, ¿no? Que todo se puede en esta vida y obviamente un gran ejemplo para mis hijos. Obviously, you know, this is uh, the best in the history. I want to leave this as a legacy, leave it as an example for the rest that are coming behind, and also uh, to be a great example for my children. We'll find out what happens in the ring, in the zone on Saturday night. Canelo Alvarez, Sergey Kovalev at 175, the next step in your historical run. Best of luck, Canelo. Thank you. Las Vegas, Canelo, Kovalev fight week. The light heavyweight title holder sitting next to me, the crusher, Sergey Kovalev. Sergey, you got to take me back to when you got the phone call that Canelo's looking to fight you. He's looking to fight, move up two weight classes and challenge you. This is a gift. It's not a gift. 
I'm desired. Gift, you know, gift when you walk anywhere and and found and found, you know, like a case with the money. This is like a, this is like a surprise. Gift surprise, not yeah. a gift. You've earned yeah. this to get to this point, but when the this is consensus gift, yeah. number one star, the biggest draw, calls you and wants to take the challenge and move up and fight you, how excited were you at this opportunity? I'm really excited to approve again. Uh, to get the uh, opportunity uh, to prove that I'm the best in light heavy. Because uh, this means for me very a lot because I have a, a plan, I have a, a, my dreams, and I have a, my road to, to my glory. This is a, an, an excellent opportunity. The danger is on Canelo's side, but he's you know one of the pound-for-pound pound best in the sport. So how do you, when you look at this fight, the idea... Of you facing a middleweight's punching power, he's facing a light heavyweight's punching power. What's it gonna look like? Hey, come on, his his weight are now 180, 185. You know, he he's losing the weight like for this fight, like a little bit too. He save energy because he's not losing the weight at all. He's uh, right now more more dangerous than uh, his he was danger uh, he was dangerous in 160 or 168. Because he's right now not losing the weight, all energy saved. You know, just like right now, is he's the most dangerous than That's ever. A fair point. I like the respect that you're giving him. Odds makers have you as an underdog. I, I'm not used to having you as an underdog. You've rolled through this light heavyweight division. You've lost and come back and won back the title again. How do you feel about people sort of counting you out in this matchup? You know, I don't care that people like uh, matches or not, like something like compare with something. Do you know, just I, I, I know just one thing that I should get uh, into the ring and uh, show to the boxing fans uh, and who follow me, my fans and uh, my family and to myself, uh, prove that I'm a, a real champion in light heavyweight division. This is my goal. I don't care like who will think who will match up. Believe me, I'm That's fighting fair. for myself, for my family, you know, and for my future. All right, new trainer Buddy McGirt. Last couple of fights, you guys have built a really strong relationship there. People are saying the Crusher is as happy as he's ever looked. Do you feel like there's less stress when you go into the gym when you have a trainer you can trust? You know, because uh, I don't have right now any stress at all because I'm working with the best uh, and real uh, professional coach, Buddy McGirt and Teddy Cruz. They real uh, gave me uh, uh, beliefs in myself much more than I had without them. Because they right now, like, uh, uh, gives me uh, right advices, everything uh, right... Uh, Training camps, you know, like they doing everything what I did myself before them. Right now, I don't care at all, like what I should to do to this workout or tomorrow or the day after tomorrow, you know, like I just like do what uh, they saying me, you know, and uh, it's really helps me save my energy and uh, my wish stay more longer in the boxing. We've seen you bounce back from big defeats. There was a time we thought you were unbeatable. And you come back from the Andre Ward fights, you regain the title. You come back from the Elider Alvarez loss, regain the title. What did you learn about yourself in those journeys? You know, uh, every loses uh, teach you something. You know, just uh, like uh, get right uh, analysis from your losses, where you, why you lost. 
you think you, you should think why 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 lost and how you you can be better and if you will fi- fix it you can be better some people say the key for you to win is be the bigger man and hurt canelo other people say no he's got a box he's a boxer he's got a box what do you have to do to win this fight uh yes i'm going to you know everything will be depends uh, what he will bring if he wants to fight like i will be to do one plan if if he's going to be boxing i uh, i will be using another plan you know like we have a strategy right now because i have a, a real professional coach right now in my corner buddy miguel you're a three-time light heavyweight champion a lot of people saying you're already a boxing hall of famer what would beating canelo alvarez the biggest star in the sport the first or second pound-for-pound pound ranked fighter in the sport. What would that mean at this point at 36 in your career? Uh, yes, this is uh, the same. What was uh, always a uh, big motivation to be the best in light heavy and start my boxing career like a champion, like a real champion with a title and uh, with the titles, with all titles. <laughs> And then, like, uh, let's do it. Just, uh, but for this, I should to uh, get victory over Canelo. This is my motivation. We always see that picture floating around of the two, you and Canelo, as young fighters. You sparred together. You trained together. Did you ever think you'd be here, Las Vegas main event? The two, two of the biggest stars in the sport this Saturday. Yeah, I never, I never thought about that. We can meet each other in in the in the same ring you know like but i was uh, really confused when, when my manager agis klima said like hey canela interesting fighting you like are you kidding <laughs> no 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 really he wants to fight okay i was the way 160 it's not uh, it's not possible no no 175 are you kidding me and day by day like uh, more 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 like he said me again again he's asking like he's like he wants like Okay, so give me a contract. Like you mentioned, it normally the the smaller fighter wants the bigger fighter to come down to a catchweight. He wants you at one seventy five. He wants to find out how great he could be against you. We want to see what this looks like Saturday night, Las Vegas in the zone. Sergey Kovalev puts his light heavyweight title on the line against Ken Alvarez. Best of luck, Crusher. Thank you. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. I told you we were getting legends on the Canelo Kovalev media room floor. There's no bigger legend than the great Larry Merchant. Larry, we miss you in today's day-to-day boxing, reporting, broadcasting realm, even though I still see you. I still see you around. You're still around because you have balls. 
Does the boxing media today have the same balls to say things like... And it turned out that in this fight, at least, we brought you junk. <laughs> Do they still have it? Um, thank you for that generous introduction. <laughs> Um, if I was 50 years older, I'd let you kick my ass. All right, I'll tell you a right. story. Exec- executive who I had a great relationship with, Seth Abraham, who ran boxing while I was at HBO, uh, said to me after after that, um, Larry, uh, sometimes uh, you make us... I'm paraphrasing anxious and uh, disappointed. I said, but keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> so I was lucky to have that kind yes. of a boss. Yes. I mean, you know, we, we used to see a great maverick like Teddy Atlas as well. He got removed from the day-to-day broadcast. I feel personally like too much of it is a commercial for the network. And I guess it's natural. I kind of miss the days when HBO was sort of, you need to come to us to make a name. We're, the, we're this journalistic independent body, you know? Well, that's why they signed me on. It wasn't for my beautiful uh, voice. <laughs> um, um, they had they had a, a legendary announcer. Uh, I can't think of his name at the moment. Uh, Marty Glickman, uh, as an advisor mm-hmm. early on, and he would give notes and stuff and. Um, and Marty told him about me. He says, just leave him alone. (laughs) (laughs) I love in the, um, famous, maybe the best boxing picture ever of Ali standing over Liston in the rematch in Lewiston, Maine. And through Ali's legs, there's a young Larry Merchant there at ringside many, many years ago. Um, I, I don't think people, when they look back on that, realize the controversy heading into that fight, the people would just assume this would be a fix, right? They, they couldn't get a location. Why the hell were you in Lewiston, Maine? Uh, well, we were in Lewiston, Maine because of the, the fight had been postponed for close to two months. It was originally supposed to be in Boston, but I guess they couldn't find a, any place else. And Lewiston, Maine, at least, was like a, it was like a studio show. Yes. Okay. Uh, five or six thousand people, but it was going out to the world. And, um, and of course, people had been waiting more than a year for the rematch of the, of the first shock when Ali, uh, stopped Liston. Liston basically quit after the sixth round. Yes. Um, and so the anticipation, uh, was part of the disappointment. You come all this way, you're, you're waiting for the fight, you've spent your money, you've talked your head off about it, and bang, it's over in the first round. Now, there have been other first-round knockouts in the past in boxing history and similar circumstances, but uh, in the world of media, as it was exploding at the time, so many people saw it. And uh, But what they didn't see was the punch for yes. most of them. Did you see it? I don't I, think it happened. I happened to be... On the side of the ring, where everybody saw the punch. Yes, I saw the punch. Okay, now virtually everybody who saw the punch wasn't quite sure it was the kind of punch to destroy a destructive 
fighter like Liston. Right. Um, years later, at HBO, I was doing a special on knockouts with Mike Tyson. And somebody came up with a footage of that fight, the frame by frame. And Ali hit him right on the chin. And the most important part of it was because Liston was coming full force trying to get at Ali because he knew he couldn't beat him in a long fight. Right. And Ali just hit him on the way in, which magnifies the punch. And secondly, Liston didn't see it coming. Perfect. It, it was the perfect storm then. Okay, because if you don't see a punch coming, it's more dangerous to you. Right. You don't have a chance to brace for it or move a half an inch so it doesn't hit you flush. Yes. Whatever. Now, what the what the frame by frame showed was Ali hit him on the chin and Liston's neck jerked back. Okay? Which is impossible to see with the eye. Right. Okay? But that medulla oblongata. Yeah, great, great, great pull there, Larry. Yes. Right? That's what knocked him out. Yes. Or knocked him down because he was up and he was still trying to go after that. Larry, you did a podcast. You got so <laughs> many stories on the inside here. <laughs> but um, it was legitimate, just as the first was legitimate. We have to remember that. Ali of that time was not the Ali we think of now. Right. A lot of people were skeptical, if not cynical, of him. They thought he was more of a showman than a fighter. Nobody had ever seen a big, quick heavyweight like that right, before. Right. Okay? So it went against all convention and what everybody knew. And... Uh, now we know better. All right, let me ask you this. Let me stay on this this tone. Six foot nine Tyson Fury. He's a wild man. You never know what you're going to get with him. But you said nobody had seen a heavyweight before Ali do some of those things. No one's has ever seen a six foot nine guy have the speed, the shiftiness, the balls, the, the chin, all these stuff. Would he compete in any era? Is this a special guy? I know he's crazy. Look, all, this other look, stuff. all modern athletes are bigger and stronger than athletes true, used to be true. in every sport. Right? Uh, so it's hard to compare, uh, a six foot nine inch, 250 pound skilled fighter with Jack Dempsey or Rocky Marciano who weighed 188. That's a, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, um, and, and I think he's a fascinating character. Fury, his background as an Irish traveler, uh, living with uh, a segment of the Irish traveler culture where they had fights among themselves to decide who is the best. And him being, um, I think, early on a little uncomfortable in British society when he, when he came, when all of a sudden he was a figure to be reckoned with, didn't know how to deal with the media, but an extravagant personality. And um, I want to see him fight Wilder again. I I do as well. (laughs) All right. The first Fury-Wilder fight, I was ringside in L.A. Were you at that fight? Yes. I had 
an experience covering that fight, Deadline journal- Journalist Ringside, that was unlike any other because the drama was so suffocating that in the 12th round, when you're wondering if he can walk the tightrope and finish this no-hitter, so to speak, and then Fury goes down, he gets back up. At the end of the fight, I stood up. I had sweat in places <laughs> I never knew before. And it's not that I'd never been to a great fight before. This was a unique circumstance to me where I was so dialed into the moment that, I mean, it was like a pressure cooker for me ringside in your history of covering every great fight ever. Is there one fight that gave you that same kind of feels above all else where you exited there going, I need a shower. I just went through a dramatic life experience. Well, uh, maybe I don't shower as often as you do. (laughs) (laughs) But listen, I covered uh, many extraordinary events. And beyond all of them was Ali Frazier once. Yes. It was... Bigger than big. And the, the fight exceeded the highest expectations for a fight, much less an event. Yes. Um, I tell people I worked with Frank Sinatra on that fight because Sinatra was ringside doing, shooting, shooting, the, yes. shooting photos for Life magazine. Um, it was not like, it was unlike anything else. And so, you mean um, you could feel it in the air every second of, the, of, the, of that yes. night, right? Y- yes, it was uh, beyond electric, and and the fight itself, the drama of the fight, the changes in the fight, uh, all of that just magnified what already was a great event before it even started. Uh, if you lived in an igloo, you knew that that was going to happen. Um, so th- that stands out. But as a fight, the, the Fury Wilder fight was one of the better heavyweight fights I've seen. Um, I woke up with soil. I stood up with soiled pants. You're telling me <laughs> you, everything was cool. You were dry. We're all good. Um, I may have soiled pants, but I, not, at, not at fights. Yes, yes, not at fights, <laughs> indeed. Uh, Canelo Alvarez, the big theme is moving up two weight divisions to fight Kovalev this weekend. Um He's getting hailed, Canelo. Right, rightfully so. I'm writing the same story, saying the guts on this guy, a star of this level, taking a chance he doesn't have to. For you, is it holy crap? This guy's daring to be great, or that's what men are supposed to do in this game. There have been many uh, attempts of middleweights to fight light heavyweights, and. At the elite level, r- roughly half have gone to either side. Uh, I myself have imprinted on my brain a fight I saw when I was 24 years old uh, in New York, Archie Moore against Bobo Olson. Bobo Olson was or had been a pretty good champion at a time of great middleweights. And Archie Moore... Was one of the greatest of all fighters. He has more knockouts than most fighters have had fights. Yes, and he knocked Bobo Olson out with one shot in the third round. Um, the unusual part of this is that normally, when a middleweight tries this, at least in what I regard as the minor era, which is my era, mm-hmm. <laughs> others will have other modern eras. <laughs> that fighters move up in weight 
when they have been fighting at uh, improbable uh, lighter weights when they were younger. And the other incentive is money. Um, They're looking for a big fight. They'll try this. These guys have been in in uh, the gyms 10,000, 100,000 times. They've seen everything. They've been in fights. What could happen? What could go wrong? Um, but not in the middleweight's prime. Yes. That's a difference here, I right. believe. Now, way, way back in the day, it was less unusual. Great fighters like Mickey Walker and and some others in the 20s and 30, um but in my living memory, no middleweight in his prime has tried to take on uh, a light heavyweight. How do you see Saturday going? I really don't know. Um, I guess I have to pick Alvarez because the boxer, the quicker guy, generally wins these showdown- yes. showdowns. But... I also think that every great fighter, and I thought Kovalev was a hell of a fighter, if not a great, great fighter, um, has another great fight left in him. And as we see, we saw Pacquiao and Thurman. I would have lost all my money if I was a betting man. <laughs> a betting against I'm Pacquiao. I'm with you on that one, yes. Okay. Well, what if this guy pulls a Pacquiao out of himself? That's true. He's got a left hand that is educated in the Soviet style. He's got a right hand that can hurt you. Um, Part of my mind wanders to Hagler Hearns because Hagler, in effect, was fighting a big welterweight. Mm -hmm. And he decided, I'm going to impose myself on this guy. I'm going to go right at him, let him take his shots, and we saw eight minutes of the greatest fight you could imagine, right? We did. And is Kovalev going to do that, or is he going to just try to box him? I said he should do that. Buddy McGurk told me no. We got we to box him. I think box. he's going to box him and and, and hope that in, in 12 rounds or less, somewhere along the way, he's going to get to land the good punch, the right hand. Um, but at the same time, we saw... Uh, Canelo go 24 rounds with a guy who had knocked out 23 fighters in a row. Got a great chance. Golovkin. And he was there. He didn't get hit a lot, but he got hit some. Um, I wonder what he's heard in the gyms about. He Kovalev. knows something. He knows something. That he, yeah. Does he know something? He knows something. You know, uh, but with Buddy McGirt coming in and trying to reorient the fighter, uh, um, help the fighter with an incentive to be his best. He's going to make more money than he ever made, by far. It's the kind of money that can retire a village in Russia. Very true. That's very true. (laughs) Right? Uh, So there is some kind of motivation there. Yes, definitely. I want to close on this, Larry. It's been a true pleasure, as always, to talk with you. My son's 11, all right? he. I was leaving, packing up to go to the airport the other day. 
He goes, Dad, who's fighting? Floyd? I go, no, no, no. It's Canelo Kovalev. It's going to be great. Blah, blah, blah. He goes, is Floyd the best ever? Dad, I'm like, well, no. Not even close. No, you know, I mean, Floyd's great. But he's like, who's the best ever? I go, well, this gentleman by the name of Sugar Ray Robinson, they say is the best ever. But to be honest with you, son, the welterweight Sugar Ray Robinson, there's no footage. I can't tell you for sure if he's the greatest of all time. Did you see the welterweight Sugar Ray Robinson in person fight? And can you tell us, was he really the greatest of all time? Well, uh, I'm not a list maker, but when people ask me that question, he's on top of the list as a, in the pound for pound world. My the first big fight I covered, Sugar Ray Robinson versus Carmen Basilio. Is that at welter or middle? Well, it was well, it was middle. middle. Basilio okay. was challenging yes. Robinson, and Basilio upset him in the first fight, and then. And that was in New York, and then in, I went to the rematch as well in Chicago where Robinson beat him. Yes. Basilio was a tough, hard guy. Um, I might have seen Robinson on some as a welterweight in television. I'm not sure. He fought 20 fights as a lightweight. Wow. Okay? Wow. So, um, uh, but he was, you know, like a, a, a wonder child, and he was 16. He actually fought Willie Pep in the amateurs. Are you serious? I did yes. not know that. Wow. Well, there's one of the best boxing stories ever. Willie Pep was like this uh a legendary amateur fighter. Now that's back in the day when when boxing was a mainstream sport. Mm-hmm. And when Robinson fought him, I think, at a hundred at, at Bantam he beat him and he Robinson was taken to a local jail because they thought he must be a pro um they were going to arrest him well in a way they did they you know he he spent a few hours in a jail they just wanted to see if they could confirm his status yes. as an amateur okay wow. <laughs> because he beat Willie Pep Amazing stuff. Larry, pleasure. My pleasure to chat with you. Okay. Enjoy the fight this weekend. Sir. Let's have a great one. Canelo Colflev. And by the way, when I went to see uh, Robinson and uh, a report on Robinson and uh, um, Basilio. Basilio, sitting ringside, Hemingway and DiMaggio. Together. The golden ages, <laughs> when the heavyweight champion of the world was the biggest man in the world, was the most famous man in the world. I miss those times. All right? Well, you know, it'll happen again. It'll happen again. Yeah. It's always cyclical. Larry, thank you so much. Thank Fantastic. you. Enjoyed it. Canelo Kovalev fight week rolls on. I've got Sinisa Estrada next to me. Saturday night's card in the zone. You got this grudge match against Marlena Sparza. Yeah. A grudge match that escalated. With Tuesday's grand arrivals, when you got all up in her face and gave her a shove. Talk me through this. This was a statement you made. Yeah, I mean, I've been dealing with Esparza talking negatively about me for the past two years in, like, interviews. I don't even know how it all started. Um, but, yeah, she she doesn't like me. So when we were face-to-face, she told me uh, that she was going to fuck me up on Saturday. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, she didn't, she, doesn't, she didn't say that part. And uh, that's when I pushed her. Uh, you know, I just want to let her know that we're we're not behind our phones on social media. Like we're face to face. This is a real now. fight. Oh, those moments can 
can teach you things, you know, when you go face to face? Did you did you get a response from her that gave you confidence? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was cool, calm, and collective, and I knew that uh, by giving her a push, it would uh, definitely uh, piss her off, and it did because she rushed at me uh, very angry. Yeah. We had her on there earlier. She said, look, this was a fight that, you know, years in the making. You guys knew you'd cross paths. She says you've used her name to build your name, and now yeah. essentially it's time to get in the ring and, and pay for it, I guess. I mean, what, what's your side of the story? How far back does this rivalry go? Yeah, um, I never use her name for anything. I don't know what she's talking about. Or, you know, she, uh, like I said, she cr- contradicts herself in interviews and and lies and stuff. She says that it's me, but, um, you know, there's, there's no interviews that you can find when you Google my name about me saying anything about her. It's nothing but videos of her just talking about me, talking about me. Um, but... You know, there's there's nothing to be said anymore. Like, I just can't wait to get in there on Saturday and just uh, show who's really the best. Well, you guys are fighting for the vacant WBA interim women's flyweight title, and it's a great time for women's boxing. It's a great time to be somebody who's trying to make their name and in, in, in expand your brand. And this fight is getting great placement on Saturday. But Marlene sat here and said, look, you know, Sinise is not doing good for this whole women's revolution. By coming out there and pushing me and swearing and getting <laughs> my face and putting forth in a fight between two Hispanic women, this historical nature. We've got three-minute rounds, all this yeah. great stuff. She says you're making it more about that other stuff than what it should be about. How no, do you um, I mean, she's just being a crybaby. Like, it's boxing. Get over it. You got pushed and you got embarrassed and now you're trying to blame me for it, you know? Uh, whenever there's trash talk ahead of a fight, I get fired up. <laughs> I, 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 like, I like me some pro wrestling build to this, but uh, sometimes that can change the fight. Sometimes that can add emotion to it. Yeah. Is, is emotion for you in this sense of positive or negative going in there after some back and forth? Um, I'm very mentally strong, so I know like my emotions aren't going to play um, a big role in the fight. I'm not going to fight with anger or anything like that. And I think for her, um, she has a hard time controlling her emotions, so I think that's going to um, be a disadvantage for her. How does this fight break down X's and O's style-wise? What type of fight are you expecting? Are you prepared for the three-minute round? She says you've never done that before. I'm prepared for the three-minute rounds. My, um, She's only gone two minutes, and her last two title fights were eight rounds because I guess she requested them to be eight rounds. My last two, my last title fights were ten-round fights, and my last five fights have been all by stoppage, um, TKOs and KOs, and... Um, I'm just, I feel like I have just so many ways to win. And I feel like, um, every time I see as far as a fight, she doesn't improve. She fights the same she did in the previous fight. So, um, I'm expecting her to be the same as far as that she is, um, in every fight. She might be in better shape this time, but I feel like when she feels my punches, um, it'll wear her down because she's never dealt with any adversity in any of her fights. And I feel like that's what I'm going to bring to her and see how she handles it. Talked about the growth of women's boxing. What has to happen next for this to to continue to be a, 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 a such a key profitable time for the sport? Because, you know, women's MMA, for example, in the past decade right. took off so massive with Ronda Rousey. People were saying, why can't we have that in boxing? Can't yeah. we have that now? I think we can. I mean, we're starting to see it with um, top rank signing Michaela Mayer and like Carissa Shields fighting on Showtime and Toronto Sisters and Eddie Hearn, what he's doing with um, Katie, yeah. Katie and um, other girls that he has. So there's not only myself, but there's a lot of girls out there who are pushing and, and making breakthroughs. And it's, it all starts with the promoters, you know, allowing, like, taking a risk and putting us 
on these used cars and and um, having our fights televised. Do you feel extra pressure in in your hopes of becoming one of those crossover stars that becomes a face of women's boxing that you got to keep that unbeaten record that you, that every fight is is the fight they could forget about you? Yeah, yeah, definitely have to keep that unbeaten record and um, just also impress be very impressive while doing it. So um, that's what I expect to do on Saturday. All right. Saturday, the main event, of course, is Canelo Kovalev. We've broken it down 78 different ways. How about we go 79? Who wins this <laughs> fight and why? Oh, man. I have so much respect for Canelo for coming up uh, in weight to fight Kovalev. And I, I think Kovalev's a great fighter. I've always been a fan of, of his. I, um, I think he's uh, in this fight. He's tall, lanky. He uses his jab well. So it's going to be tough for Canelo. But I know Canelo, Canelo is... Um, at the best he's ever been at right now in his career. So um, I'm expecting Canelo to go out there and, and shock the world. Right, wow. Closing statement from you, Marlene Esparza. You got the floor. What does she need to know ahead of Saturday's fight? <laughs> that uh, I'm going to be the last one standing and the last one with my hand raised on Saturday night for sure. Beating Sinisa Estrada. <laughs> she can cut a good promo here. Can't wait to see how the fight plays out on Saturday. Thank you so much. Thank Great you so much. You. Thank you. Fight week, Las Vegas, Canelo Kovalev. We kick off podcast row this week with Marlene Esparza, the unbeaten. You want to talk about a must-see women's boxing match on Saturday night when you take on Sinisa Estrada, vacant WBA interim women's flyweight title. But let's put the prize on the side for a second. A little bit of beef this week here. Yeah, can you can you tell beef. us what's going on? <laughs> I mean, we've had this uh, uh, this situation for a while. I just, uh, I haven't liked her for a long time because she tried to use my name to get signed and then she lies about it. And I think she's like, has a compulsive lying disorder or something. What's the, re- what's the origin of the relationship? Do you guys know each other from the amateur days from yeah. way back? So, uh, I know her from when we were kids. And, uh, once we, st- we would fight around the same weight class and stuff. So we knew of each other. We never fought. And then when we were going into the Olympic games to try to qualify, she started losing here and there. So she turned pro. And then I never heard about her again until I turned pro and I started hearing the rumors and then I was pissed off. <laughs> uh, how how much would you say this is a fight that's that's been brewing and building for oh. years that you knew inevitably you'd have to see her? Oh, yeah. No, it's been brewing for a long time I, from my first fight. So that's how it kicked off my very first fight. And when I debuted, I was asked about her and she around that. And then I was already angry about what I had heard. So I kind of took some digs at her, and then it just took off from there. And that's I knew from then that that we were going to fight for sure. All right, we're going to see uh, some fireworks in the ring. I can only guess. We saw fireworks Tuesday at the Grand Arrivals. Yeah. You both get announced in front of the crowd, do interviews. Suddenly you're face to face. What happened next from your point of view? Um, I was just making fun of her because she brought her WBC silver belt, and it's like from 08, and it's like silver, and no one cares. <laughs> so I was like, "You really brought your belt?" You know, I was a loser. So then, um, she, she likes, like, she said that something about talking and then she pushed me. And, uh, when she shoved me, you know, I was just really disrespectful and I feel like it was a bad representation for women's boxing. You know, this is a huge stage for us. And it's like you said, it's one of the must-sees for women's boxing. And there's a lot of little girls right now watching, especially Hispanic girls, because this is the first Hispanic women's bout that is happening. And I just thought that, you know, she should have held herself and conducted herself in a, in a better manner. So I was just mad. You know, the whole situation really got me mad and I went for her. If you're going to play dime store psychologist, is this her way of psyching herself up, of getting in your head maybe? I think so. You know, I think she's actually a little, I think she's afraid. I think her people have her in telling her what to do. 
And I think at this level, you really have to be able to think for yourself and have your own persona and really uh, conduct yourself how you want to. And I really think that they're just kind of telling her what to do and she doesn't really know. I think she knows it was a mistake now. Uh, so she's not really trying to talk about it. But, you know, she doesn't she doesn't really know what she's doing. So one day she's a nice girl and she's so innocent and I pick on her. And then the next day she's shoving me at the weigh-ins. So I don't think she knows who she is right now. Is anyone in anyone's head or is it just sort of like we're going to settle this in the ring anyway? Who cares? I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm in her head, but not on purpose. You know, that's not a tactic I use. Uh, I'm not really what happens in there happens in there. And whoever is going to be defeated is going to be defeated. But I think she just gets frustrated with me because the way I carry myself and my confidence isn't a lie. It's the truth. So I think it's a little bit, it bothers her. Like she was crying in the Golden Boy office about A side and B side. And why do I always get everything? And that, you know, there was so many. Why do you always get everything, Marlon? (laughs) I don't get everything. I don't. I feel like I, I, you know, I worked my butt off for this. So I feel like if anything, I haven't got everything that I should get. And I think a lot of things got handed to her along the way. Because of me, you know, I, I got signed and I started this rivalry, so she got signed. Yeah, there's so many things that I just feel like have been handed her on the on the silver platter that uh, I had to work extremely hard for. So I saw some quotes about the potential for three minute rounds. Is that official for this? It race? is three minute rounds. Yes. How, from your point of view, and we see that a lot. Even you know, we see Clarissa Shields on Showtime, and people were saying she'd have more knockouts if if they fought the three minute rather than the two minute round distance. Why is that important for you to want to push for that? So I'm the only girl who's fought three minute rounds so far. I fought it, I believe, in my third pro fight. Um, but it's hard to get because a lot of the people don't agree with it. And it was something that was huge for me. One pay, you know, we, we always complain about the pay. I complain about it too, but I feel like if we want equal pay, we need to do equal work, you know? And I think with that is the three minute rounds. And eventually I would like to fight the whole 12, you know, the whole 12, three minute rounds. But besides that, I just feel like this, like you just touched on Clarissa and then she would probably be able to take people out faster. You know, the same thing goes for Heather Hardy and Serrano. You know, I think that I love Heather, but I don't think she would have lasted if it would have been three minute rounds in, in the first round. Now, how much so. of that of an advantage potentially for you comes in here? Does Sinisa have any experience going three? She has no experience going three. I'm sure she works in trains three and spars three. Uh, but, you know, it's different when you're fighting. And I, d- I think it's going to really work in my advantage because I have a motor, you know. Um, P- again, with the compulsive lying, she tells people I get tired, but I've never gotten tired. So I don't know what she's <laughs> talking about. So I have a huge motor. And uh, I feel like it'll really work for me because I, I'm a slow starter. I, I feel like, you know, it takes me from the outside. It looks like I'm going, but I'm not going yet. So I feel like it's really going to work in my favor to go those three-minute rounds. Well, we've seen the, the quotes coming out of both of you this week. And she says, look, Marlene has the same style every single fight. Oh, man. I, I think she just copied what I said. <laughs> I don't. I think she's just copying what I said because I said that about her. But I think that's the complete – it's the complete opposite. Um I think much maybe she's saying the aggressiveness is the same, but I mean, I've boxed plenty and then I've been a super aggressive. Maybe my last two, three fights, I've been more of the aggressor and just going in. But I mean, I have, you know, over 180 amateur fights, so I do know how to box. And a lot of that system when you're an amateur is boxing because it's the point system. So it really taught me how to just move, you know? So I just, I don't, I think that's crazy. I think she's just repeating the things I say. Get me fired up for this fight. <laughs> when you look at the the health, the state of women's boxing, when I talk to the big names in the sport, I'll talk to like a Heather Hardy. We'll say, look, we're making some strides, but we're not anywhere close to where people think we are as a sport. Other people maybe like Clarissa Shield saying, I'm shouldering the load. I'm ready. Let's push this thing forward. How healthy is women's boxing? In your eyes I feel right like now? it's pretty healthy. You know, um, 
I think with some girls, they, it's all, it's all about attitude, right? So it's all about your perspective and how you see it and maybe your life in boxing. But, you know, Clarissa has had a pretty, pretty solid life in boxing. You know, she went to the games. She's traveled. She's seen so many. She's had sponsors. She's done this. She's that. Heather Hardy, on the other hand, has kind of just been sitting still. And then all of a sudden, there's a little bit of amp and a little bit of here and there, but not too much. So I feel like a lot of the girls that are coming out of the amateurs are, are getting a little bit more of that. But it's going. You know, I feel like you can't. How fast do you really expect it to go? You know, as far with the momentum that we're having, I feel like if we, it just stays where it's at, then the girls who come out of the next games, the next games will keep trickling down. And I just feel like it's exactly where it's supposed to be besides the pay. Well, you need the placement. You got that in this card. Uh, Katie Taylor's been getting a good push on the zone as well. We, we've got personalities, but fans also flock for the fights, for the dog <laughs> fights, for the style matchups, for the drama. What kind of drama inside the ring? We know the drama outside the ring. When Estrada and Esparza go nose to nose, what about in the ring? What can we expect Saturday night? Well, I'm a, I'm an active fighter, you know, so one thing's for sure, it won't be boring towards the middle rounds. I feel like at the beginning, it's going to be more of a tit for tat. Like, I don't think I'm going to try to see if she'll come in. I feel like she's really going to try her best to just stay away from me, which will not make a fun fight. And at the same time, I don't like being patient. So it's going to... It's going to be a little bit of a struggle, I feel like, the first and second round to see who's really going to be the aggressor or who's going to, is going to stay in the middle of the ring or am I just going to have to chase you all day? Because I feel like it's, it's either going to be in the middle of the ring or I'm going to have to chase her. And if I have to chase her, it won't happen to like the third or fourth round because I don't want to like get caught coming in. Understandable. Uh, if you win this fight, you'll be the WBA interim women's flyweight title but on a, on a larger scale. What's at stake for you in this one? I feel like this is my entire career in one fight. Interesting. You know, um, what people, the same thing, the, the negative part about where we're at in women's boxing is that, you know, one fail is huge. So it's not the guys that, you know, it's hard for them if they lose once to come back and do what they have to do. I feel like as a female at this level and, you know, with where me and Sinise are at right now, if you lose, that's it. You know, you might be able to use your name a little bit for a little while and become a good challenger and, Maybe work your way back up, but it's it's really not going to be pressure. good for you. A lot of pressure to hold that O in terms of, of being perceived as a star. Obviously, fighters have come back from that. We want to live in a world yeah. where you can but bounce in, back. Yeah, but not in women's boxing and not right now, that's you know, a, realistically. So. Uh, the marquee on Saturday, of course, is Canelo Alvarez moving up two weight classes <laughs> to take on Sergey Kovalev for that light heavyweight title. For us journalists, it's like, holy crap, this yeah. guy daring to be great. Who wins this fight, though? What are you looking at X's and O's wise? What, what are we going to see in that in that main event? You know, I think Canelo knows something that we don't, obviously, because it's super dangerous. And he says that it's the biggest challenge that he's ever had. And obviously on paper it is. But he has to know something in order to have taken this fight. And I just feel like he has more of a game plan. Kovalev's gotten older. You know, um, he, he's really strong. But I feel that, you know, Canelo's really, he's not going to be able to keep up with Canelo's movement. And I really feel like he's going to just break him down. Uh, I don't think that he's going to be able to keep up with Canelo and the way he moves. And, and Kovalev's going to try to keep him out, try to use his strength, maybe, you know, try to load up a lot. And I don't think it's going to really work in his favor. Can't wait to see how that one plays out. Can't wait to see your women's flyweight title bout against Sinisa Estrada Saturday in the zone. MGM Grand, Marlon Esparza, it's been a pleasure to meet you. you. Best of luck. It's a heated rivalry. We'll finally see it, it pay is. off in the end. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Fired up to bring in Kathy Duva, the head, the face of main events promotions. <laughs> and for everybody talking about 
Kovalev in his twilight here in this Canelo fight, getting this massive payday and opportunity. It's a massive payday and opportunity for the great people at main events in the Duva family who work so hard. One of my favorites in this game. When you found out this fight was a possibility in reality, did you get those lottery ticket feelings as well? <laughs> well we, we spent about six months going, maybe it'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> because we first heard about this in February. Oh, my God. Then you're, good God. Then you're walking the tightrope of the Anthony Yard fight. Yeah. We had to make, you know, it was a mandatory. Do we make it? Do we not make it? And uh, the offer hadn't come. You can't, you can't risk losing your title by not fulfilling your mandatory if you don't have a deal on the table. So it was a, a it was quite a, a, it was quite a very long game of poker. <laughs> You've known Sergey forever. You guys have worked so hard to, to get him these big fights and, and, and let him get the exposure that he deserves as, as, you know, the face of this division over the past decade as, mm-hmm. as a three-time champion. But with the, with the, I guess the culture and language difference, sometimes we don't always feel like we know Sergey Kovalev on the outside and he can be the stoic guy who keeps mm-hmm. uh, the answer short. What does this opportunity actually mean to him? Because it's not every day, no matter who you are, that the, that the Floyd of, of this era, the number one guy in the sport yeah. calls you up and says, no, I want you yeah. basically on pay-per-view, you know, on his own here. I mean, how, how big is this one? Oh, it's huge. You know, this, <laughs> This is something I told him very early on. Someday Canelo is going to come and fight you. Really? Yeah. What gave you that that feeling? Because I look, I come from the the old days when, <laughs> you know, we've been doing this for over forty years now. When when it was normal for fighters who were great, Marvin Hagler's. The, well, no, I shouldn't say Marvin. Marvin didn't do it. He's the one who didn't. Ha- Leonard and 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 Hearns Duran. You know, Perna Whitaker. The right. people we worked with. It was Meldrick Taylor is another we worked. It was normal. That you moved up in weight. You, you clean out your division. You, you meet every challenge. You look for another one. Working with fighters, uh, particularly, per, again, Parnell. Uh, we've worked with a lot of great fighters at main events, but Parnell is the one I was cl- probably closest to. And, uh, he would, he would complain if he didn't get, uh, something that he perceived to be a real challenge because he couldn't get up for it. That's and, interesting. And I always thought that was Canelo, that he was that guy. That he needs to motivate himself to be at his best and needs to add that little element of yes. fear and unknown. We call it old school now. It should be regular, right? It It should should be. be. It should be the everyday move. But when you're that guy, when you're you're Canelo Alvarez and being in the biggest fight of the year becomes a routine, that is not the thing that gets you going. Also, uh, he's a stocky guy. And I knew looking at him in his early 20s fighting at 160, then it was the 150s, he moves to 160, which isn't that big a a jump. He's never going to be able to keep this up. Interesting. You knew it. You saw that as the, as the big one far away. And I mean, you know, talking to Egas Clemens, talking to Cole, they're like, didn't think what happened. When yeah. that phone call came, it was surprising. Yeah. That, that's, that's well, interesting. Well, I won't say I wasn't surprised. Look, after the twists and turns that Sergey's career was taken, yes. I didn't imagine it was going to come this way. I imagined it as like, Sergey's undefeated and he's the guy and now everybody's coming up to fight him. This is a little different. It's like, Okay, he's the man. He's still the face of the division. He's all of that. But of course, they think he's older and he's got weaknesses. They can think whatever they want. It's awesome. We're really happy to be. Well, I, I think that almost helps you that there's such strong evidence. If you want to play the well, he's over the hill. He's not the same. Or if you want to play the no. Did anyone watch the Elider Alvarez rematch? Look, Grady outboxed the you know the shoes off him. He came back against Anthony Yard in a way that Sergey hadn't been known to do. To he was a little bit of a front runner behind the power that well, he had. That was also and, the only round he lost to Anthony Yard. And if you look at his fights <laughs> in the first Alvarez fight where he got stops, okay, he won every round until true. that round. There are very few fights in which he lost a round. 
And yes, of course, against Andre Ward, we're talking about a, a pound for pound elite yes. fighter. And that is what Canelo is. So we don't think this is easy. However, Sergey is bigger by a lot. All right. So <clears throat> Canelo is the, the monster A-side. And when you're the A-side, you have powers. You can giveth and you can take away. He giveth by saying, no catch weight. That'd be great. That'd be great on your side saying, okay, good. We don't have to cut down to 72 or whatever. But it's, you're going up against Canelo. You're probably not going to win a division, a decision. That's the thought process of everyone. Mm -hmm. That's boxing, but it sucks, but that's part of it. Sure. Doesn't mean it would happen, but is it something that keeps you up at night? Um, I can't let it keep me up at night. This is, <laughs> this is the business we have chosen, as someone famously said. Um, it's part of, part of the game. But one thing that's different, that's different, a factor here that's a little different. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping. Um, we learned this when Whitaker fought Chavez. Uh, oh, God, you've been through it way, way worse than this. Yes, keep yeah. going, please. Well, it didn't work out. Well, okay, in that case, it almost worked out. But but it, it, I will tell you that was a corrupt decision. Yes. I don't think that's yes. what's happening. I don't think that's what, what the, the fear is here, a corrupt decision. I mean, the, it, that the crowd, yeah. the crowd influences the judges. It does. And the judges have preferred in Canelo fights the harder puncher, the guy landing the bigger counter shots. So that is, Oh, well, that's you know, my guy. So good. I mean, but, I mean, you know, I, I love Golovkin's <laughs> jab in those two fights. Had him score, had him winning both. But, but it, you know, if it's not corruption, then it's, it's a preference in the style. And, so and it's, cr and it's crowds. So the Mexican audience is, is very astute yes. and they do not cheer for their guy when he's losing. And it got quiet when Whitaker fought Chavez. It was so quiet in that room that you could hear. If I talked to the person next to me, you could hear it throughout the room. That's yes, how yes. quiet it got. So maybe if Sergey is outboxing him, which we believe he has the ability to do, and that room gets a little more quiet, Talking maybe. Talking to Buddy we'll McGirt just a few minutes ago in the same chair, he believed the, uh, outboxing him was the right route. You've seen... Buddy McGirt do wonders for a late career Arturo Gatti and yes. win that trust and build that relationship. And I sat here and said, uh, you know, Buddy, how the heck did you do that with Sergey? He was he was a self-admitted stubborn dude. In uh, uh, what so is Arturo? <laughs> great point there. What have you seen in the change in Sergey the man from this relationship that we don't see on the outside looking? At? For the first time since he was fighting Nathan Cleverly, he's happy. He's walking around happy. He's He's enjoying what he's doing. He's loving his job. When you win a world title, and 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 particularly when you're that underdog, as he was when he fought Nathan Nathan Cleverly, and 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 you come up, and now everybody wants you. Everybody wants to beat you. Every you feel like you're fending off, and because it, it yes. happens to us in in, in in the business part of what we do, you're fending off everybody who's coming after what you want. Now being the underdog again, it's a really nice, comfortable place to be. And he's he's confident because he's got a a, 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 a team. He's confident because he trusts that team. And he's got a game plan. He went into every fight he had before he met Buddy McGirt without a game plan. Without water in his system, according to Aegis, too. That so too. We, we've changed that as well. A whole lot has changed. Yeah, it's all positive. <laughs> I wrote a story. I said, you know, Sergey's a live dog here. I guess why the odds makers have done that. But uh, you've had such an amazing career. All the great fighters you just mentioned. Now we got Evan Holyfield, the yeah, son of the cool? real deal, Evander, making his pro debut on Saturday night. Yeah. Um, this is going to get a lot of interest, rightfully so. Uh, yeah. What can you tell us about Evan, the the kid, the 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 the, the fighter that's going to turn pro here? You know, I've known Evander since before Evan was born. He turned pro with main events in 1984, almost in November, actually, wow. um, and almost to the day. And uh, Evan is. Very much 
not like his dad in a lot of ways. Interesting. He is far. I, used to, I was telling him stories about how I used to have to drag words out of Evander's <laughs> mouth. I was the publicist back then, and I had to try to get him to take him around to talk to people at these sorts of functions. You know, and why? Why? Why can't I just fight? What do I? What do I got to talk to people for? Because Evander's part of the job. You got to do this. You know, and he didn't like it, and he didn't want to do it, and he kind of did it grudgingly. Evan is uh, very personable and engaging in a way that Evander wasn't. Evander is now. Now yeah, he's, he's a heck of an interview, yeah. Oh my God, yeah. But but boy, when when I had to when I had to bring him around to, to one of these things where yes. everybody was sitting around the room, oh, come on, Evander, we're gonna go talk to this. We're gonna talk. He's gonna look <laughs> at me. The, the death stares I would get. So uh, <laughs> you know, so in a lot of ways he's different. But one way that I see the same, <clears throat> he's got the drive. He's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Uh, he's he's a sweet sweet kid, but I can tell like this kid wants to go somewhere. He wants to he's be got somebody. He wants half to tell of the his own dog story. inside of him that his pop had. Good, yeah, good well, that was gosh. my thought. And and he really um, I've watched him. Evan made a statement uh, in an interview I heard him do, and he said, "You know, any of my brothers or sisters could be a next level athlete." And his brother Elijah is. He plays in the NFL. Right. You know. Um, and I thought about it. Yeah, like, like the genetics are there. <laughs> and so now what do you need? You need the drive. And and not everybody gets that, especially when, when they, they grow up in a in a, a situation where they're not, where they've got more than their dad had, whatever. Um, but he seems, to, I see something there. And uh, he's also with Termite Watkins, who is so much fun. Uh, he was a amateur fighter back in the 70s. He used to fight on ABC, Why World of Sports, <laughs> when they used to do amateur fights on, on television all the time. He is, uh, he's like from Central Casting and, uh, and Tim Hallmark, who was Evander's personal yes, trainer throughout yes. his career. Well, he's the guy who called me and said, I'd, I'd like you to meet, uh, this kid Evan. And he's the guy who helped Evander build that body when he, when he moved up from cruiserweight to heavyweight. Yeah. And, yeah, and Evan is a tall, skinny kid and he's young. He's going to get, he's going to, you know, he's starting off at junior middleweight, but he's going to get bigger. I'm going to watch him for sure. Uh, when is there going to be a movie made on your life? Because I don't even think people know <laughs> half of the, the Kathy Duva life story. This, to get to this point, survivor, <laughs> conqueror, warrior. I mean, come on. Can we make this? You hang this? around long enough. That's the yeah, secret. This, uh, I mean, who's going to play you? We got no, that no. My or? daughter's, here's the thing. My daughter just finished the film uh got a master's degree in the film program at nyu really? yeah. there you go and All right. uh i told her a long time ago okay when when my story gets told it's your story to tell so she's That's actually fantastic. here with her producer pro- producing partner longtime producing partners who suck in the the atmosphere um she's been around it her whole life lisa but her partner kate hasn't uh, and they are working on a pilot, and they seriously, are, wow! Yeah, so this uh, is fantastic. We'll see. I mean, it's a long way from I'm working on a. Yes. I just got a film degree, and I'm working on a pilot okay, to, okay. to you know all the hey, way there. It, but, but if anybody ever tells my story, it's going to be well. Recent. I mean, it was the odds were long on you taking over the business and true. and and surviving through all the craziness of boxing and family and all that stuff. That I mean. is true. So you know, what what is when you, I know you get at times close to fighters, they become like family. What's the toughest loss you ever took as a promoter? Well, losing Pernell Whitaker and F2 Gaddy when, when they passed. Well, in the ring. In, the, in the ring. Tough as lost the Oh, Meldrick Taylor and Chavez. I'll never oh, get that's over a, That's a hellacious I fight. Yes. That is the most heartbreaking defeat in the yes, history of sports. Yes, that is. That is. Because, like, if you lose a football game, you knew you were within. Yes. And you can't score at least a four point. touchdowns on one play in football. Yes. Yeah. And even in a baseball game, at least you have a little time in that last inning to find out it's blowing, you know, it's slipping away. This was two seconds. Two seconds. Wow. And it ruined his life. It, it did. It just ruined his career and his life. Yeah, everything. It, it, I mean, he was who never he same. was at certain, certain rounds of that fight was like 
oh my god, this guy's the pound for pound king. This guy's amazing. He Look was. what he's doing to Chavez. And then you got to give Chavez credit. And do you, have you forgiven? No, I don't give. Do we forgive the referee? Who was it, Lord? No, Lord? Richard Steele. No, no, no. I can't. We can't. Listen, forgive. I still see. I have dreams about it. Still, I still see that because we we went and we protested, and we at the time it was a lot harder to do than it is now. We got the film and we slowed it down, and we showed. And uh. he's counting one. And he's looking at Chavez, who's come out of the neutral corner. And instead of walking him back as he's supposed to, stop the count and walk back, he's just just kind of waving to him, go back, go back. And two, and he turns around and looks again. And now there's a light flashing yes. over Meldrick's head because yes. there's a light on the corner post telling him there's 10 seconds. And 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 all of this, and as I'm watching it, it's almost looking like he's trying to rush through the 10 count. And then we found out years later that he, he had fights, fighters with Don King. So no, I haven't forgiven. Uh, all right, well that's the low moment <laughs> in the career of Kathy Duva, the great promoter at main events. If Saturday goes your way, if Kovalev knocks Canelo oh, Alvarez out, we're not gonna. Is this? I mean, we'll I mean, take you've had anyway so many great fights, but, but in the great story of your perseverance, this would be a monster moment, correct? This, yeah, yeah. I keep getting asked about this. I've been thinking about it. Yeah, look, we came here for Leonard Hearns in '81. When we were nobodies, and when Dan and I walked into the casino and announced we were in charge, um, you know, I, I, I've been thinking a lot about that. People have been asking me a lot of questions about it lately. My daughter making me remember everything that yes. ever happened to me, uh, and uh, and we've had Holyfield and Douglas here in that moment where the underdog fighter, for no reason that I could understand, you know, scores this huge, what what they consider to be a huge upset in, in beating him, and uh, Len, Lennox Lewis. Uh, beating uh, Rockmont here in Vegas. Uh, not in Vegas, but Lennox Lewis beating Mike Tyson. You know, th- there have been moments where we had underdog fighters. And it's always the fights when the guy was the underdog. Rocky Lockridge fighting uh, uh, Floyd, uh, Roger Mayweather. Yes, <coughs> great one. It was one of the first world titles our, co- our company ever won. Um, those moments are, were, are the ones that stick out in my mind and always will. But if if he were to win this one, yeah, I, I think that might just climb the top of the list right Would there. Would the great late Dan Duva believe that, that the company's still going? What do you believe? Never. Never. He would have never believed any of this. He would have, he would have, no, there are so many things in this world he would, he would, Donald Trump is president. Yeah, well, hey. <laughs> Frank Maloney, his dear friend, is a woman. Yes. God bless him. Yes. I love Kelly. Yes. She's fabulous and I'm happy that he's found happiness. But no, if my husband ever came back today, but the, the, the biggest shocker of those three would have been me sitting here talking to you. So, Well, congratulations <laughs> on everything. Best of luck on Thank Saturday. You, we wish you guys well. Thanks so much, Kathy. You're welcome. Canelo Kovalev Fight League rolls on with the legend, the professor, the alien, the executioner, Bernard Hopkins in the house. Yes. Good to see you, man. Love- Fight weekend. You know, we got to stop meeting like this. I mean, we got to meet somewhere. But you know what? No, we don't. We don't need to stop meeting like this because this is a great time to meet. It's a great time for not only the boxing fans, but for history. And and I know we're going to talk about it. And to be, for I to be part of, in and out of the ring. Um, I'm happy, man. All right. Before we get into the the stuff, the meat, the Canelo Kovalev breakdown. There's a lot of soap opera crap. And you know boxing fans on Twitter, they love the juice. They love the gossip. It's Oscar versus Canelo. And there's no loyalty and there's all this stuff. You're on the inside. What the hell's going on, Bernard? Gossip. 99 points in the gossip. Can you put the fire out? Can you get them together in the same room here? I am putting the fire out. Okay. The fire's... I'm the executioner. You are. You're damn right. All right? You You took that Puerto Rican flag. You said, take this, Trinidad. Take this, man. We getting this thing right. Okay. 
You know why? That left hook always can find anybody's rib cages. That's true. And let me tell you something. But the left hook from the rib cages is the left hook from my experience and left hook of of letting two really strong-minded people understand like anything in a relationship. Anybody that's been in any relationship of any kind know that every day is not going to be a day where everybody agree with everything that's been said. And sometimes you don't need opinions from the world, whether it's social media, whether it's inside, whether, whether it's, it's outside. Twitter, whether it's Mike Coppinger, back off. My thing is do this. I'm going to get both guys in the room, and I'm going to leave. Okay. Y'all deal with it. See, because when There's you, so much money to be made. Make it happen. It ain't about the money right now. This is about relationships. See, because if you don't have good working relationships, then nothing else matters. When you put things, especially money, on top of relationships, then both people is going to have a relationship where it ain't based on how you respect me, how I respect you. It's going to be based on the rule of all evil if you take it in a mentality where we basing everything on what we can get and steady what we can do. Because that's one fighter. Future Hall of Famer, I believe, and going to be a fixture in his community of where he's at in his, in his life. That is Canelo. And others going to be a pillar to their community and their influence over people, period. So. Nobody wins when the family fights, though. So, that's the point. When you get that moment to be able to express not through media, not through this, not through that door, but you get to sit there and say, man, so what's the problem? Mm-hmm. You know how many times I've been wrong and I had to get in the room once they eventually got me in there and it wasn't easy? You get to hearing things that you thought that, no, that was the thing they could say, oh, well, not putting it off on anybody else. Well, I assume, oh, wait a minute, and that's still with the assumption. And then, and then I'm like, man, you know what? That's my bad. Now we got that. Come on, man. We all know this. If you got some time under your age belt, you know that, you know what? B, like B, this ain't no sugarcoating and promoting it. Like, I understand. That's like real life talk there. Life talk. That's like real life talk there. Yeah. You get two guys in the room, I guarantee you, everything they reacted off of in the middle of what they heard or what was brought to them, Normally is not the case, but you got to get them in the room and you get them in the room and you leave that room. Let them work it Lock out. Lock the door too. No one's coming out of here until let we them remember work it out. And, that and in it, the great golden boy purge of 2014 or 15, you and Canelo remain loyal. You re- you said, hey, Shafe, that way we're staying here, bro. Exactly. And, right? and that got to be taken into some serious, 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 serious conversation and thought. And when you want, like, I'll tell you what, if I feel... That way that Canelo felt, I'll be gone. Strong, right? That's strong. You don't pull punches. I don't have a filter on my experience and not feelings because feelings is emotion. So I don't, I don't operate off emotions. I don't operate. So you're off saying feelings. you understand what Canelo's going through, but at the same, if, t- if at that's the same time, listen, you- if that's the case, and there's nothing that got lost, or right. something that didn't get addressed the correct way 
and they get in that room and that conversation need to happen, then maybe they can find out something, right, that they both didn't know or they did know. But you got to get them in the room. And then when you get them in the room, I'm willing to guarantee for my 55, 54-year experience that I guarantee you if they get in that room and cut all that middle out and cut all that outside out and they get in the room and say, come on, man, then I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to hear you out. You know that's powerful. Uh, yeah, damn right. I'm, wow. Getting the feels right now. If we can get the Democrats and the Republicans yes. get in the damn if we room. we can get you and Trump in the same. No, just kidding. Just kidding. We can't go down that road. Okay. I, I, I right. would love to get in the room with him and say, Trump, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bernard. The talk of this week outside of that crap soap opera stuff is, is obviously – the, the, the bolas, the, uh, the huevos on Canelo. Two weight classes up against historically one of the better punchers, a guy you faced. But, um, let's not forget 2006 when you moved up two weight classes to fight the light heavyweight champion Antonio Tover. People act like, I mean, I'm giving all the respect to Canelo, but this is a man who's done it, who's right. walked that. And they understand that. And, and Canelo Camp understands, um, the significance of that. And I think that's one of the reasons, more than 20% of the reasons, he wants to be in that house that's so limited of people that accomplished that, and that is Canelo. But also, you know, Buddy McGirt is making history, too. Definitely. This is second time with the light heavyweight that's going to get beat by middleweight. He <laughs> he was with Tarver when you moved up and in you didn't. You forgot that. I forgot that. Because so, uh, you know what I think about when I remember that fight? I think about Tarver complaining that somebody drugged him. Exactly. You, well, I does did. He still say that? I did drug him. Oh, with with your fist? All right. Combinations. Yes. yes, yes. And Mackie Showstone um, and my team. But you're but, you, but, you're but, dealing with the same thing Canelo did. Of we don't know what it's going to look like if he can take a light heavyweight punch until that bell rings, and that's the drama of making people subscribe to the zone and get there. What was it like for you? I mean, I mean, you can spar light heavyweights, but did you have any of those same fears when you touched gloves with Tarver that I'm going to find out if I got a chin for 175? I had to establish, my fight with Tarver was a different approach than what I think Canelo has to do with Sergey. Sergey is a bigger puncher than Tarver. Despite Tarver knocking Roy Jones out, he just caught him at a good time. Yeah. Not downplaying what Tarver did. It was perfect punch, bright timing. Roy was right there for it. But Sergey is a puncher on both hands. We know the right hand can set, you can, can pitch your lights up, but the left hand is not something to sneeze at either. That really jaws you, gets you off balance and all that. The approach that I believe that Canelo, who I know for a fact, his team looked at my tape, looked at tapes of Andre Ward, looked at tapes of the fights that he was successful in, and then he went and worked on their strategy. In, in, in. And now I ain't just talking about body. Everybody was talking about the body. The body's going to be there, but you must get in to hit him anywhere. Arms, yeah. legs, shoulders, throat. When you're throwing punches, they land. Maybe and the it, outside of the hip like Bernard used and, to do and, when and, the ref was on and, the other and side. And the referee is there to regulate where it's good, where it's not. But you can't must... Can't call what he can't see, Bernard. I, I learned that from you, But right? you must get inside. Yes. And you must make the taller guy, linkier guy, uncomfortable. See, Sergey needs three feet to work and operate comfortably in his office. Canelo 
has to get in that office, yes. sit at that table, turn that computer on, and start punching keys, and open that refrigerator up, and then take food out, deliver the I kidney. Love it. I love it, yeah. Deliver the kidney, and then get the sauce ready for deliver needs sauce. Sauce is the boss. The yeah. sauce is the punch. Yes. And then after you get finished making this great recipe, right? This food. I smell what the rock is to become. Yeah. yeah. Now, now you start doing what Canelo has been doing for the last seven, eight, nine fights is making his defense become his best offense to make Sergey gets desperate behind by rounds or know he's being beaten. And now he has to be desperate. Is it is it disrespectful to call Kovalev a front runner? Yeah, he's how, how you gonna be? He's nobody's front runner. He's a dangerous guy. But he fades, right? I mean, there's proof. That's not in a the, front runner. In the pudding. Okay. That's not no know what it is when a guy like him. Like, you hurt him with a jab. People forget that 2014 Atlantic City. Yeah. You, you hurt. You yeah. had him on mini ice skates yeah. with a jab. Yeah. And 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 see. Front runner to me, because I want to stick with the front runner. Front runner to me is a guy that comes out, a guy that's just blazing fire for the first four or five rounds. Then all of a sudden, he changes style for no reason, and he becomes a person like, oh, I didn't get him out. Now I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to play surrender, but not get hurt if I don't, if I, if I can avoid it. Right. Most likely, that he fails in that order because he has already showed that he's just coming out for the first five rounds, then we'll get him later. Yeah. People watching, people know. There's fighters that, in my era, that, that was front runners. A puncher is never a front runner. Fair. Because punchers never, they never lose their punch. George Foreman and Michael Moore. True. They never lose their punch. They punch when they even in the grave. <laughs> they never lose their punch. You can never sleep. They can be losing the whole fight in that one punch. To a middleweight slash four that come a couple of 68 pounders, super middleweight, but really a middleweight coming from junior middleweight. Can the question I think that I ask people when they say, but no, you know, the weight difference to you get inside, to you work the body, everybody's talking the same thing. Nobody's talking about can or if Canelo takes the punch early yeah. when the energy is strong. That's what I'm saying. What's going to happen in the next five rounds if Canelo can take these punches? Like, we know he's known for getting hit. It's going to be drama. It's going to be drama. Can and if he takes those punches, how do you see from five rounds to an end what will happen? Remember? Somebody's going to have to make those adjustments. When Sergey realized that, damn, he can take a good punch, they've been in the ring a long time ago. Yeah. They've been around each other. So that's an advantage for both. They both know each other. Do that means that it could be one of those fights where it ain't exciting? Yes. I doubt it. Now, if Canelo gets in that one inch of space that you're talking about, it's be, it'll it, be like you against Pascal in the rematch. I was in your ass, and you was ready to quit, and you was blowing and puffing, and went to your corner like a rag doll, done, defeated, and knew that you lost that fight. That's how gangster... You are yes, is the next line. Who fight was that? That was the uh, HBO face-off ahead of the Pascal rematch. Yeah, Pascal. Where you told yeah. Pascal, you're a four-round fighter, bro. Yeah, yeah. You know that's my favorite then I did, episode. Then in, I, did in, the, uh, I did the push-ups 
and the middle yes. of the ring in the second fight in Montreal. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was there. I was there. Great night. That was a legendary night. Uh, round 12 against Kovalev, though. Okay. You said you can't be a front runner when you got that power. You tried to pull the power out of him. You stuck your tongue out. Were you thinking in that moment, I'm going to lose on the cards probably. Sergey fought well. So my only chance is to knock him out here. Were you trying to yes. lure him into that? Yes. That is gangster. Yes. Because You're I 49 knew. 49 years old. Yeah. But I knew that I wasn't winning the fight. And I wanted to pull all my tricks out of the bag and make him run into something and get him mentally in, uh, aggravated and just wanting to, to, to really come forward and and leave himself exposed to me. But, but you know, he didn't. And, and you know what? Um, when I sit back and look at a lot of fights that you covered and you've been there, and now that I'm in this different mindset, you can't erase what happened, whether it was politically correct, whether it was something I needed to do, proud of and not proud of. A lot of times now that I sit back and I'm entering into the Hall of Fame. Yes. In June. Yes, congratulations, man. It's a time to reflect. And the time to reflect, I can say by you mentioning those two fights or some memories of my career that you witnessed. Damn. <laughs> That's it. Damn, I was gangster is what you're saying right yes. now. Yes. 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 Who would play you in a biopic? What do you think, Jamie Foxx? Because there's, there's got to be a movie made of your life one of these days, right? It might be in production. I don't know about it. I'll I tell you. I'll tell you. If he on the right path right now. And he get himself together because he has some bumps in the road. But I think he's very talented. I think we have the same demeanor when it comes to the way we speak, the way um, we 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 sort of come off aggressive, but um, talented. DMX. What? DMX play? Whoa, whoa! Producer Mikey just jumped up right there. DMX. And I don't know if your producer can see why I would say that. That. That would be a good fit based on personality, yes. energy, and how raw we are. I mean, loved him in Exit Wounds with Steven Seagal. By the exactly. way, exactly. You know, come on, man. What? 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 Hey. You know what I mean, can you can you look at where the similarities of our demeanor? Yeah, or, fits, or just the X, man. Fits, the the fits, X crosses the X. over. So, yeah. so, so, so. Um, DMX would be my first choice. Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, who would play the warden? And follow up question: Have you ever seen the well, warden the, again after he told no, you? No, he was back? like 70s, 60s, right, 70, We can get Bob Arum. We can get but, Bob Arum to play. But, right? but we could play. Well, it, it got to be. It got to be old white guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's right out of central casting. It's typecasting. We got to. We got to listen. We got to get old white guy. Yeah. Bob Arum yeah. will fit. And I say that out of respect. I love Bob. Bob is a really icon in the business. And I, and I mean that out of respect. But it has to be because I remember the guy. Yeah, and I got my box. And I'm going to. I mean, this visualize. I mean, producers know what I'm. They can see me. I'm walking. He's the, exiting but greater. Li- no, listen. I'm yeah. leaving. I was. But I'm leaving a, 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 a city block. Length. Down a Carter hallway. of, And, and it's two tiers. It's the bottom tier and it's the top tier. And you got inmates, some are leaning over like the movies you see. Yeah. They lean in, they looking at the new fish coming in and looking at the old fish going out. Well, I'm the old fish going out and I had my box. And I had still prison clothes on because my mother didn't send my civilian clothes up in time. I had a choice. I can either wait for them, which I'm not going to do, no, or I can no. just go home in county 
uh, yeah. uh, not state clothes. Orange, bright orange. Uh, uh, like a um, a dark orange. Okay. Like like a burnt orange. Yeah. So now here I'm walking, right? I go home with this. As long as I got my release papers, I get stopped on the train or I get stopped waiting. There. I can tell them, look, I'm released. I didn't escape. So here I'm going. They cutting off the band. They they taking uh, a picture because they gotta take a picture for you when you leave. And I got my box and I'm giving them. Like things in my butt. You don't need this. You don't need your brush, man. You're going home. So I'm giving stuff away to people, but I'm leaving out with my pictures, my cars over the holidays. And I'm leaving out. I you'll be back in six months. I could see Bob Herm. I could see looking it, like I this. could see Grandpa doing that. Look, yes. look, look, look. I, Mr. Big Bear, you'll be back in six months. <laughs> so I looked at the wood and I said, you know what? I now he could nine out of ten. Uh, he nine out of ten. He was right. Yes, by, by statistics. I looked and said, but I never forgot that. You never forgot it. And I never, you never went back. And you're a Hall of Famer. Thirty something. You got years the degree ago. from Temple last year, correct? Uh, yep. You're going to go in the Hall of Fame. Temple. Yeah. And, and this is honorary serious. degree. This yeah. is serious. When I when I bounce the grandkids on the Doctor Hopkins, they call me, and I was the last speaker out of five speakers. All right. All right. They're trying to. They're going to pull you away. It's like I just got to get this out. When I bounce the grandkids on the knee, maybe a couple decades from now, okay? All right, they, thank and you they for say, the show. they say, Grandpa, who'd you cover? You covered boxing for years. You covered me. And I'm going to, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, well, I was in there in the Floyd era, the Canelo era, I saw. But the things I saw in Montreal, following the journey with you, going to fight Kovalev when no one's, people said you shouldn't. Everybody this is was scared when I said I wanted the top guy. I appreciate it. And you better tell That's your. That's how gangster you I am. Tell, right? You better tell people and your siblings and your grandkids, you better tell them that moment. Because even at that age, I was wanting and willing to fight the best and the most dangerous at that era. And like you said, Sergey, at that time, I believe was at his peak. And then they're going to say, Grandpa, can you give us one piece of advice on life? And here's what I'm going to say. The soda to me is like liquid crack. Uh, it don't do anything for the body. Liquid crack, indeed. It Bernard, don't do anything for the body. Thank you for everything, brother. Respect. Great chat. Thank Great you, chat man. with you. Thank you. Radio Row Canelo Kovalev continues with the WBA light heavyweight champion of the world, Dmitry Bivol, unbeaten, the pride of Russia, correct? Yeah. All yeah, right, all right. Correct. Welcome, welcome. Great chatting with you, man. Yeah, thank you. Canelo's moving up to your weight class on Saturday. It's great. It Does he belong here? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Uh, if he is here, yeah, it's good. Okay, okay. The media, all of us, we look at this challenge. We say Canelo's smaller, faster. Kovalev's older, 36. But Kovalev's still got a real hard-ass jab, Dmitry Bivol. Yeah, Kovalev has a good power. Yeah, has a good jab, has a good right hand. Uh, he has a good uh, boxing skills. He moves good. Uh, just one question about his uh, conditioning. Yeah, you know, fair question. It's yeah, a very this, fair question. This is uh, why we talk too much about this fight. Who will win, Kovalev or Canelo? Yeah. In your eyes, Canelo uh -huh. easy because of the condition. If Kovalev doesn't get him early, this is Canelo's night, is what you're saying, right? <clears throat> mm, I I think uh, he has a uh, more chance uh, on fight. In 12 rounds. Yeah. If it will 12 rounds, Canelo has a more chance. I think. All right. Yeah. A lot of people talking about this light heavyweight division. They're talking about Kovalev. They're talking about Artur Beterbiev. Yeah. Are enough people talking about Dmitry Bivol? 
Let's talk about Dmitry Bilbo. Let's do that. That's what I'm talking about right there. What was your impression of Better Beef unifying world titles against Alexander Vodzik, stopping him late? What did you think of that performance for Archer? Uh, it was a good fight, and uh, it was good for light heavyweight division because uh, uh, we got a lot of uh, attention yes. for light heavyweight division. And he just uh, beat him up, uh, Arthur Bitterbeef, beat Gwazik him up, beat Gwazik up. Did it surprise you how... how mm, not surprise. Uh, uh, I knew how he's uh, strong. Yeah. Uh, he's really strong. Uh, Gwazik could be better if he moved. Uh, he he just uh, getting in and uh, exchange too much. Too much. So the new narrative is Better Beef's the best in the world at 175. I want to see him in there with you. How realistic is it to make that fight considering the networks, the promoters, people don't like working together? Is this a realistic fight? Can we make this Of course it's a realistic fight, yeah. We are from the same division. (laughs) I talked with my my team about this fight. They said, yeah, why not? We we, we can make this fight... Uh, Dazon and ESPN uh, can make. Uh, I hope they fight. can. I, I hope it. I hope too. Would you rather fight Better Beaver? Would you rather fight the winner of Canelo Kovalev? Mm-hmm. I rather that fight uh, with what will first. Yes. Yes. To me. Do, you, do you think Canelo is in light heavyweight for one fight only? Uh, I'm pretty sure that he doesn't know now. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. What would the fight look like if you fought Better Beef? Because he just walks people down, pressure, power. But you can box. Yeah, you I can, I can box. box. Uh, Could you? Can you handle the heat that Better Beef's putting how, out how there? Can I box him with Ah, me and uh, Better Beef. I, I, uh, I have to uh, move forward and get an in two and exchange and land the. Punch, my! <laughs> <laughs> I love it. The English is great. It's working. No, Bring this, it. But this is joke. <laughs> Bitter beef is too dangerous. Uh, if you want to uh, fight Bitter beef and win him, you have to move. You have to yes. use your leg, your uh, your brain. If anybody can do it speed. at one seventy-five, it might be it might be Bivol. Maybe. Okay. Okay. Uh, you're coming off that performance in October, just a couple weeks back, against Lennon Castillo. Yeah. But I want to ask you, what fight so far is the best version of you? What's your What fight do you think you showed everything? Uh, I think uh, in fight against uh, Canela or Better Beef or uh, someone with a big name, maybe with the Zurdo, maybe with the Kovalev, uh, because uh, uh, it's a really good uh, challenge for me. Yes, yes. And uh, uh, this fight where I have to show uh, 120%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, okay, so you're saying we haven't seen the best of you yet because you haven't faced somebody who can make you fight 120%, right? I think, yeah. Uh, I respect that. All right. So you live in Russia, correct? But yeah. from Kyrgyzstan, right? Yeah, Another... I, I born in Kyrgyzstan, then moved to Russia with my family, 
another big combat sports star from Kyrgyzstan, right? Valentina Shevchenko, UFC uh, yeah, champion. Yeah, yeah. Do you know her? Did you guys uh, ever meet? No. Ah, we, we met once. Uh, she was in St. Petersburg. Uh, uh, I saw her, but uh, we didn't talk uh, each do other. You, do you watch her fights? Do you think she watches your fights to represent Kyrgyzstan? Uh, uh, I watched uh, her fights. Uh, but I'm not sure what he might, she might fight. So okay. maybe, okay. maybe yes, maybe no. Doesn't maybe, matter. <laughs> maybe you're the two biggest names in Kyrgyzstan right maybe, now. Maybe, right? maybe. Okay, okay. What is the reaction in Russia in terms of this division? Are there more fans for you? Is there more fans for Better Beef? Who do the Russian people like more? Who do mm. they, who are they cheering for in this division? I don't know now. Uh, Russian people are, uh, wanna just, uh, See uh, me and Bitter B fight, and I don't know for Zakawani Balay. You don't know who they support more. They just want, they just want them to fight. No, no, no. But the most of people don't want them to fight. They, they want them. To oh, the, they, they want to have two champions Russia. from Russia. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. The, when you eventually fight Better Beef, would it would it be in Russia? Does that matter to you? Uh, I think it will be better in the uh, USA. Uh, more money, right? Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of money in Russia for uh, big fights. Yeah, for more money, it's good. Uh, everyone's uh, like money, but it's good for uh, for boxing fans. Okay. Uh, if uh, it uh, in America, it will uh, more, uh, more people will see it. Okay. You know? I got this nice little thing here. Crush your cup. What do you call these things? Uh, Matryoshka. Matryoshka. They look like uh, babushka dolls for me. I don't know. <laughs> I got a Kovalev. Great merch for main events here. Yeah, it's um, good. Uh, what do you think about Kovalev? Uh, I respect him okay. like a person uh, because because he started from the very low and he became the superstar in boxing. This is the so, uh, most thing. I, I got to ask you this because his manager, Igus Klimas, great guy, yeah. Says, if Kovalev beats Canelo, Kovalev will be the greatest boxer in Russian history. Your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I, I think yeah. Right now, yeah, uh, right. I I agree with. Uh, Who else are we talking about? Kostazu, Nikolai Valuev, maybe that big hairy dude. Uh, you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, Kostazu is really famous in Russia. He's uh, really popular. Uh, but now I think if uh, Kovalev win uh, Canelo, he will uh, the most of popular in Russia. Indeed, indeed. Hey, I love talking to Dmitry Bivol here. You got a great personality, man. Yeah, thank you. All right, all right. The English <laughs> is coming along, fantastic. We can't wait to see you back in the ring. Um, yeah, me too. I know you want a big title fight. Are you going to fight somebody else first? Do you have any mandatories lined up? When do you think we see you back? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I I just want a good challenge for me. Okay. I want a good name uh, or another title. But uh, I don't know now what will happen in my next fight. Okay. Maybe it will big name. Maybe. Uh, hey, I got a name for you. It's, it's Arthur Betterbeef. Let's make yeah. this. Let's make this good. magic happen, uh, right? Uh, ask about this, uh, Bob Arum and. Uh, I'll ask Bob. Yeah. I'll ask Grandpa. And Eddie Hearn. Yeah, I'll get him. Yeah. I'll get him on line one, and I'll I'll say make. Make the fight happen, right? IBF. 
And the IBF. IBF yes. Yeah. Oh, the God, the IBF. Yes. Good God. Hey, Vadim Kornilov in the house, my man. This guy, he got to smile more. He's always so serious, right? <laughs> like a joker. <laughs> Great talking to you, Dimitri. Yeah. Best of luck, Thank okay? You. So everybody out there, tell better, be You're coming. You're coming, brother. Great yeah. talking to you, Thank man. You. Thank you. Sitting next to me, a man with a lot of power in boxing. The mm. zone. EVP of North America, Joseph Markovsky. Always a pleasure. People still talking about our podcast interview in May ahead of. You know what I said to Chris earlier, our PR guy. I hope I'm doing Brian yeah, Shelley. There we go. That's what I'm talking one about. Last time. All right. Um, at that point, Zone's doing some things, but you had people like the irrepressible Richard Dwyer on YouTube. I thought the Zone was going to hit us between the eyes with some great fights. Well, hey, Rich, they have this fall because fight season is upon us. One year into the DAZN journey, man, not a bad couple months putting together, right here? Fantastic. I'll just, I'll stop and just congratulate you. That's a wonderful bit of production kit you got there and well executed. <laughs> um, look, it's a, yeah, there's been a lot of chat over the summer around our ability to make fights, our promoters look. There's been a lot of noise. Boxing's full of it. A lot of political sort of BS flies around. Um, very proud to sit here on November the 1st, looking at the next six, seven weeks, looking at our fight season campaign. Canelo Kovalev this weekend. KSI Logan Paul next weekend. Which I'm sure blowing we'll get, up. We'll it's, get, it's going it's, to blow up. Yeah. And then Ruiz AJ2 to, to sort of start December. We're going to announce a couple more things before the end of the year. So we've got a really strong end of year flow. Um, I said this internally, I've said it to a few of your colleagues in the media this week. That is the sort of just it captures so much learning, so much hard work, so many back and forth um, discussions we've had in the last 12 months. So to get to this point with these three major fight nights ahead of us, I'm really proud of that. Yeah, you had I'm to ride the of- roller coaster. There's ups and downs, but you made people work together. You signed the right names. And even when you don't get the Canelo Triple G trilogy, which. Everybody thought you would, and you might still, and all that good stuff. Um, if Canelo's going to replace that fight, good God, he's moving up two weight divisions to fight. That's had to be a gift when you found out. No disrespect to like a Derevchenko or an Andrade. I hope Canelo fights both of them, but this is a different level of sex, if you will, Joe. Yeah. And I know you will. Yeah, I, I do know. I you do know, bro. I don't know how you know that I know, but um, look, I think it's a it's a huge test for him. He's talking this week about going up to cruiserweight later in his career and his his seeming comfort at moving through these weight classes, 168 in December with Rocky Fielding, back to 160 for Jacobs, now 175. He looks relaxed. He looks like he's carrying the weight well. Everything we've seen in fight camp and the footage we've seen, he looks like he's brought um, some extra spice up with him to 175. So look, he's confident. He's a beast. Why would he not be? Kovalev, he clearly sees something that he he likes and he feels that he can uh, execute a game plan. If Kovalev can stay behind the jab, if he can keep Canelo from getting on the inside, yes, yes. if he can execute, I assume that's his game plan. It's it's not rocket science. I'm not a boxing tactician, but I'm sure that's somewhere close to what he's thinking. Um, it's going to be a, a far closer fight and a far bigger test for Canelo than the bookies in Vegas, I think, are no, giving definitely. him credit for. And I think even if it's not, even if Canelo roll, even if it's the Rocky Fielding fight all over again, you've created an amount of must-see drama mm. as to what's it going to look like when Kovalev's jab hits that you win. You yeah. win. When you that know? first, someone said this week, when that first right hand connects, that's, that's, he's, he's a heavy puncher at 175. He's not just any 175 journeyman. He's, he's a serious, power puncher 
Manix said he can whack, and I think that's a fair wow, description. Man. See, here's the thing. Manix told me he's not going to go in that direction on the broadcast, use words like whack, do what Sergio Mora has been doing in embracing where we're going in 2019. Might have shot his load a little bit. Okay, there's many, there's probably other ways to say that. <laughs> maybe he, uh, he blew his water. Uh, maybe, I'm, you know, uh, but hey, that's, that's, that's their choice as broadcasters. Look, right? they're fantastic broadcasters. Very happy. Manix is trying to get me to go on one of these drips with him this afternoon. Have you heard about this? What is a drip? Is this so one these, of these like, IV drips you can do in oh, Vegas for hungover cures. people. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I said to Chris Mannix yesterday, it's like, I'm a bit worried about it. He's an employee of the zone. You sort of, you're suggesting you've got a heavy <laughs> drinking problem. He's well, been twice already this week. You've got to understand his proximity to Todd Grisham. That's the problem. You know? Maybe. But yeah, he's, he's trying to get me to go to one of these IV drips. Apparently, I mean, I've not been drinking this week and I'll, I'll, I'll celebrate tomorrow night, I hope. Uh, with a few with a few beers, but he wants me to go this afternoon and get one no, of these no, IV drips. No, no, Apparently, no. makes you feel like a million dollars. Tell so. it, stay away. You don't need any of the edibles. Stay away. All right. Let's let's <laughs> let's clear our head and keep focus here. Um, I mean, look, the Triple G Dervinchenko might be the fight of the year. You were delivered a nice little gift there as well. That's you fantastic. never know what you're going to get. Let's talk AJ Ruiz too, though. Mm. Um, Ruiz AJ too. Get it right. You're damn right. And it's a must see affair. It is a must see affair. But here's the deal. Here's the deal, though. You're doing it in the Saudi desert. WWE does things in the Saudi we're, desert. We're not, but we're they not, take a lot of crap for it. We're not I doing get it. why Eddie and AJ at the end of the day would say, you want to give us $75 million? Dude, we'll put it there. But from a programming sensibility, you're not putting this in prime time on the East Coast. You're probably going up against the SEC Championship on, on this network on CBS. So was that, a, was that a disappointment to you? Or is the wallet so fat that you're like, brother, I, I, I mean, the, the train is overflowing with gravy. Save me a seat. Um, you said at the start of the, of the podcast that I've got a lot of power in boxing. I don't have that much power. We didn't want that fight to go to Saudi Arabia. Um, I was very clear on that. We were for weeks debating UK versus US. Obviously, our preference and our financial offer incentivized uh, an East Coast in, like, yes. US venue, probably MSG. There are a number of reasons we wanted to do that. Time zone massively helps. You can easily underthink how significant a a 10 p.m. versus a 4 p.m. start it makes it harder to market. It's an afternoon fight. We also felt that AJ, from a fighter perspective, our view is that he could cleanse a psychological wound by going back to the scene of the crime. A hundred percent. But look, you want to talk look, about narratives from a journalist's point of view. That's that. I'm already writing look, the story in my head. But but you know, ultimately, it comes down. It's it's a matchroom team AJ decision. They made the decision. I understand the reasons why. I don't agree with them. It's not helping me. But I think what you've got, despite all of this headwind, yes is a fantastic afternoon of business for us on, on December uh, well, the 7th. Look, it's going to be a huge moment. And look, we've got a job to do. You're right. CBS can be broadcasting College Football Championship Saturday. We'll be marketing ways and pushing the, the, the ability with the zone sort of flexibility on a platform perspective. You can watch both. I think we'll, we'll see a pretty high percentage of mobile phone and, and tablet viewership. Well, than the way your, your setup works, do. I mean, you can also subscribe to DAZN and watch the fight later. I mean, that's the bottom line. And, the, and people, are, yeah, and this fight maybe, matters maybe we'll, so much that it, maybe you say, Eddie, look, I know you had to do it that way. You had to forfeit your soul, but can I get a couple extra greenbacks on our end for it? Yeah, maybe, but, maybe those talks. No, we, we paid significantly less for the fight, given that where it's where it is and what time it's happening. Than we would have done if it happened in the U.S. So financially, I'm not concerned. I want to maximize the audience on it. Right. It's it's. I think from a casual fan perspective, it's a fight that transcended boxing most this year. Um, I look at our, our YouTube highlights in the 72 hours after that fight happened. We saw like 12 million views on the YouTube highlights. Being candid, there aren't 12 million hardcore boxing fans in the US. Fair so point, that, that transcended. I think also for the audience that are going to come in next week for KSI and Logan Paul, completely different audience. That's probably the only event they've engaged with thus far because let's face it, 
a fat guy knocked out a Greek god, and that's interesting for people who are not like core boxing fans. Do you like the narrative, though, that, that you guys are selling casual fans through Sylvester Stallone, and I love the, 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 the way that you team up with these big names, whether it's mm. LeBron, whether it's whatever, that this was some Rocky? I mean, look, Ruiz was a, was a world title contender. He was an underdog, right? He's an, I mean, un- he he's an a, underdog. Yeah. And, 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 he, and he, the, if you look at the odds before that fight, no one gave him a chance. Not one person gave him a chance. He came in. People say he called with a lucky shot. AJ knocked him down. He should have finished the job. It was brilliant. And it took me 24 hours personally to get my head around a fact that it was good for our business. Um, sat ringside with a few of our my colleagues and our senior execs on our side. We were all sort of looking at each other thinking, oh, shit. Like, what do we do next? What yeah. do we do now? Sunday brunch was a bit of a, a yes, scary yes. moment for me. But look, it, it's worked out fantastically. AJ's got a incredible focus and dedication to this fight. I mean, getting him to do media has been tough because he's just so focused. He's up in Sheffield um, at the, the UK Boxing Performance Center. Focus, 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 focus. And he knows the importance for the rest of his career in, in getting through Ruiz on December the 7th. Um, look, Ruiz put out that photo yesterday of inspiring with Hunter. He's lost a hell of a lot of weight. He's I hope not, he doesn't lose too much. Well, you know? he, looked, he looked good. He looked good in the photo. He looked right, beach ready. Well, we know what uh, what uh, Tyson Fury has said many times. I'm like, can I be quick enough on this board? No, I blew the joke. The joke's over. All right, moving on. Um, it's all about the execution. Yeah, it is. When you don't have it, there we go. Fuck fellas can fight. No, they can, reason. you know. All fuck people can fight. Thank you, Tyson. Um, all right, so um, KSI, Logan Paul, too. I had Logan Paul on this podcast. It was fantastic. He's such a nice guy, he? talked he? about the 15% removal of his right testicle accidentally. We got into a lot of crazy things on there. I think it's a brilliant move on you guys to, to take part. Uh, could this be a subscription boom? Uh, it's going to be a huge subscription boom. Um, that fight is tracking huge. The interest and the engagement in all the content they've produced and we've produced with them is massive. Um, it's doing exactly what we wanted it to do, which is... Uh, expand the audience who watch boxing. Um, there is a there is a huge huge uh, pool of people that we will bring in. A lot to, of nerds, a lot of lot of lot of YouTube subscribers, and video game heads, and weirdos. But that's fine. Uh, hey, they can buy fights uh, too, right? You can call them what you want. I sat at both press conferences, LA and London. I looked around. I saw a lot of kids who are probably between the ages of thirteen and twenty one, and they are just passionately in support of their of their fan of the, of their of their chosen YouTube superstar. So. They're all going to come in next weekend. They're going to they're going to enjoy it. I mean, we've got a job, obviously, to keep them engaged in boxing and keep them watching the other content. But when you sit at the press conference in LA, which got a lot of attention, and Logan Paul's showing you a uh, hand gesture that represents per, uh, genitalia, and he's got his mom involved, mm. and it's a, there's a little cringy right there, and you know this is not cool. This is not what the public and the market audience wants. It's what I want because that's how I get down. Did you have a little cringe fact like maybe this isn't the zone's brand? Uh, I know I, you're a disruptor of the market. Yeah, look, uh, personally, I think that stuff went a bit too far in LA. Okay. Um, okay. I, I, I was a little bit cringy on stage, I'll be honest, but look, it's helping to sell the fight, so I, I like it. It is boxing. Um, it is the red the red light district. Yeah, right? I mean, the, the, the trash talk. But both men, the KSR and Logan Paul, are capable of, 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 of more advanced trash talk than that. They proved that in London. All right, LA all got right. a bit too, your mum's this, your brother's this, you're this. It's a bit. It was a bit petulant, but look, it's going to... It's gonna it's gonna be a huge weekend. It's a huge fight week next week. We've got some things dropping next week that are gonna be exciting. Um, as I say, it could be the start. It's, it's us dipping our toes in the water of a completely different model of, of of fight making. And look, I think it could be 
very difficult for us not to do more of it after the results I expect I love next it. weekend. I love what, what's going on here with this. I love the feel. I love the look. Still a couple of unanswered questions, so here we go. All right? Get ready. I'm doing ready. the uh, Karate Kid uh, uh, getting fired up here. DAZN still hasn't showed me one thing, and tell me how this will happen. That when it comes time to do a dual network deal, because in the end, you kind of have to. If Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder in February are going to do this thing they're talking about, it's got to be a Fox and ESPN co-deal. The thing is, though, DAZN's a disruptor of the market. So like I like to say on the podcast, when it's two a male and a female end, and ESPN and a Fox, they both do pay-per-view. Those ends connect effectively in the way that we understand. We got two male ends here. If, if DAZN killed pay-per-view, how is DAZN going to do a joint pay-per-view with, with somebody else if it gets to that level? Can we ever see AJ versus Wilder without AJ saying, sorry, DAZN, or without you guys saying, hey, Wilder, here's $200 million this time to come to this side? Well, I won't get into numbers. We remain... Our door remains open to have any discussions relating to any fights with any broadcaster and any promotional partner. But does it mean it has to be on DAZN for it to work? Because I don't. Uh, could you do a joint? We could do telecast. It. I'm open to joint discussions. I'm open to just, just you know, do we do we trade certain fights? We are open to that. That's fair. I mean, I like seeing. We are open. I to like that. seeing the top rank junior welterweight fight hooker on uh, DAZN. Hooker Jones Ramirez. Ramirez. But but ultimately, we're going to wrap in a second. But ultimately. Um, would that lead to zone into the pay-per-view business if the no, money was there? No, we're not in the pay-per-view business. We're not in the pay-per-view business. We're in the growing boxing business. We're in the sports broadcasting business. Pay-per-view is not our model. Um, we're focused on making the best fights happen. It, as I say, our door remains open. There's a lot of politics. There's a lot of nuance in the sport of boxing. There's a lot of allegiances that are hard to crack through. They are. A lot we of are, a-holes we are, in this game, all right? You said it, not me. Um, and I, I won't comment on whether or not you're one of them. The... Look, 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 we are we are a commercially nimble, open-minded, creative organization, and we will um, remain open-minded, and our door will remain open to all of those discussions relating to any I fights. I love it. Fight season, zone upon us. Canelo Kovalev Saturday. That's the voice of Joseph Markovsky, my favorite North American EVP in the sport today. You answered the hard questions. You didn't dodge it. You yeah. may have the best hair in boxing. Uh, yeah, it's either me or Devin Haney's dad. That is true. That is true. Thank you, sir, for your willingness and your candidness. Appreciate we'll it. We'll see you at the fight. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks, guys. Canelo Kovalev fight week continues with the Golden Boy matchmaker, the great Roberto Diaz, sir. Thank you for joining us. Here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, this fight gets the hardcore fans fired up because, look, Canelo is showing the kind of bolas, huevos. What do we? What do we? What's the the preferred word on the Spanish side for this? He's showing it, whatever it is. Absolutely, no doubt about in it. In doing something, he doesn't have to do. Guys do this to to become stars. He's a star who's willing to do this from a matchmaker point of view. All right, when he says, "I want to go up to one seven five, are you like, "Let's do this"? Are you like, "Let's let's map out the difficulties here"? You know, with him, you never you never he never stops surprising you. It, it, as as far as a matchmaker, he's probably made. The easiest fighter, the easiest athlete to work with. There's times where he's mentioned fights and it's like, no, 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 no. Why? 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 <laughs> this is a good example. Through the years, he's been criticized at times because, oh, he's making fighters come up a couple divisions. He's making fighters, uh, you know, match him at his weight, the Canelo weight. I hope this shuts up a lot of them. It has to, you know, it because now he's going up into a division where it wouldn't be, not, not even a year ago, would we even be thinking he was going to fight Sergey Kovalev at 175. 
But that's Canelo Alvarez, somebody that's always looking for challenges. You're right. He doesn't need to do this, but he's doing it for himself. What do you think changed? You've been around the sport a long time where this used to be the norm. This was Sugar Ray Leonard's playbook. This was how you did it back in the day. You, you, the fighters had such an ego, I thought, in a good way, that they needed everyone to know they were the best at all times. When do you think that changed where it became more about boxing businessman? Mayweather. The Mayweather era, um, it became very important to a point where it was the most important, the zero. Mm. And by you, you, by having the zero, some of these challenges can't be taken. These risks cannot be taken because what's more important, the zero. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvin Hag, I mean, all these guys lost. Muhammad Ali lost, but they had one thing in common. They wanted to fight the best. That's Canelo Alvarez. To go down in history, to be talked about in 30, 40 years. We still talk about Sugar Ray Leonard. You just mentioned mm-hmm. Hearns. You know, I all mean, these Oscar guys. lived like that, too. Oscar lived. I mean, took on all the challenges. Weights. Manny Pacquiao was the most recent. And today, Canelo Alvarez is doing the same. Taking these challenges that, look, he's guaranteed a certain purse. He could fight whoever. He could fight his, he could fight his neighbor. He could fight Logan Paul <laughs> if he wanted to, right? I mean, he could really... And the people would tune in. Yes, yes, of course they would. But oh. he he wants to leave a history. He wants to leave a legacy, and that's the way you do it. Uh, this week, we're talking so much about the move Canelo's making, but the soap opera side of boxing is also taking over websites, putting out all these reports. It's Oscar versus Canelo. They're, they're putting you in the middle of the soap opera there. He's <laughs> mad at you guys. Uh, from the internally in Golden Boy, is this... Uh, just an annoying distraction, or is there? I mean, what, how do you how do you sort of sum up how this is all going? You know what? Here? It's it's news. So any news is good news. It's you know it's fight week, and something's always going to come up. It's like in a marriage. After you've been married, if if you're in the honeymoon stage, eh, there's no negative. Yeah. There's no bad news. That lasts about a week in my exactly. marriage. Exactly. <laughs> but when you've been married for over ten years, and you've been through a lot, gone through ups and downs, and every you know distractions here and there. It's going to happen, like any marriage. The me- the thing is, look, after the victory on Saturday night, sit down and, and see what's going on. Do you have, uh, would you say you have any fears that, 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 uh, well, if this stays a business relationship only, like Canelo said, there's no loyalty, they're just businessmen. Can it operate at a long distance at that? Or are you pretty confident we can, we can repair? We, Absolutely. Well, we have our seasons here. Absolutely. Right? We've been, we've been together so long. Um, we know each other so well that everything has a repair as long as both sides want to repair. And I think in this case, uh, there must be some miscommunication or somebody's saying something to the one side or the other. And, uh, of course, it has repair. Canelo says, uh, look, I mean, he's throwing out the words like cruiserweight. I talked to him about it. He's like, hey, man, my trainers are crazy. You never know. But there's a lot of big business still back at middleweight should Canelo get through Kovalev and, and look at his options. So many of the fans wanted Golovkin this time around. I'm sure you guys wanted him. Sure, the zone. We're sitting in the headquarters going, where's our damn trilogy fight? Now that Triple G has the IBF title, does that make it more likely you think we would see a trilogy fight before both retire? Well, first, first, the most important is tomorrow night, Saturday night, to see how his body feels. I mean, it, one, one way, one thing could happen. He goes in there and is not successful and, and realizes, you know what, 175 was too much. So I do want to go back down to 168 or 160. The other side could be he goes in there and looks amazing, blasts out Kovalev and, and, and wins and feels physically so strong that says, you know what, 175 is my new weight. That would make it very difficult to go back down. 
and cut now 15 pounds. Um, it's much easier to gain them than That's it is thing. to cut them. Everyone remembers Roy Jones Jr. taking off the muscle. and Oscar De La Hoya, when he went down back from 160 yes. down to welterweight, I mean, it just took out a lot, of, a lot of muscle. So it just depends on how he feels on Saturday night, and we sit down after as a team with his team and, and decide what's the next step. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Golden Boy, we think the, the promotion team, we think Canelo, but Ryan Garcia is making a move to become a face of what you guys do. For him, he hasn't gotten out of that. Is he, is he still a pretty boy? Can he really fight mode? The, the same proving ground that Oscar had to do, that Canelo had to do. When you first met this kid, what, what, what did you see to know he's not just going to be an Instagram star? He, he's going to figure it out inside the You room. know, it's um, a great question. It's funny you ask that because you'd be surprised how many times I hear, hey, this is the next Oscar DeLoya. This is the next Mike Tyson. Sign my kid. You don't, this is the next Chavez. The next Floyd, and it's like, okay, you see it, and it's like, okay, no, <laughs> all right, maybe, he, <laughs> maybe he, he, he exaggerated a tiny bit. When I saw the first footage on Ryan Garcia, and take it that he was a baby, um, he had like six, seven fights, most of them taking place in Mexico, two or three, and it was like, wow, this kid has something. There's something there. He actually reminded me of Oscar. Nobody told me this is the next Oscar. I said. Wow, this is the next Oscar. And little by little, you've seen the growth. Ever since he went to Eddie Reynoso and started training yes. under Reynoso's, in the first fight, I saw an improvement. And I had kept telling him and his management, look, the time's going to come when you're going to need a little bit more experience. I think it's at a perfect timing. Saturday night, we're going to find out. Those questions are going to be asked. Is he just a social media star? Is he just another pretty boy? Is he? Look, the talent's there. The discipline's there. As much as he spends time with his fans interacting, he spends that time in the gym. He does train his butt off, but so does Duno. And Duno can punch. Duno's hungry. He's young. He's not with the role that, oh, I'm the opponent here. So Saturday night will answer a lot of questions. If Ryan's able to knock out Duno like he's been knocking other guys out, wow. If Ryan clearly beats him because of skill and talent in boxing, wow. But a lot of questions are going to be answered Saturday night. All right. You also got Virgil Ortiz Jr., the uh, the unbeaten. We're going to be talking to him soon. So I'm going to save that conversation. But to close, when you're matchmaking, some guys have the it factor in the ring. You know they're going to go far. You can match them as difficult as you want. Some guys have the charisma factor, and you're trying to figure out if they have the it factor in the ring. This guy, Blair, the Flair Cobbs, <laughs> he makes us fired up because he's doing the – he's got crazy eyes. I mean, yeah, there's, there's a lot yeah, going yeah. on in that head. Can he fight, though? Can he fight on the level of where his stardom, wants, his charisma wants to take him? Absolutely. Um, Blair, you know, the other day I was, I, I, I was seeing him when he got into the arrival, and I said, this kid could be in the ring fighting. This could, could be, this kid could be in a, in a Mad Max movie, being the, <laughs> the bad guy or even the good guy. I, I mean, you, you still can't figure him out. He has a lot of charisma. He has his own unique style in fighting. He's fought in two undefeated opponents in his last three fights, and he's beaten them both. So he's proven himself in the ring with with even higher level or more experienced opponents. Came off a knockdown in his last fight where it looked like he was out, got up, and knocked out his opponent. He has a tough fight on Saturday night, but 
you, the more you see him, the more you start believing on him. And, 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 and I mean, he has to win you over with he's that personality. He scared us a little. He won us <laughs> over. So does, by the way, the rooster, Nico Mayes. And oh, he's got coming off a couple L's. I'm like, get those two personalities oh, together. Oh, my God. That I, would be fantastic. I said that to uh, Cobb. I said, you got to fight the rooster. He said, who's the damn rooster? I don't know what you're talking about. I said, oh, the people, though. The people. Now, hey, Roberto Diaz, great talking to you, man. Thank Best you so much. You Thank weekend. you. Enjoy the fights, everyone. Bye-bye. If Canelo is Golden Boy now, the man sitting next to me is Golden Boy next. He's Virgil Ortiz Jr., the unbeaten welterweight, just 21 years old, and you're already knocking fools out, getting people to say, hey, hey, loaded, sexy welterweight division. <laughs> this guy's coming. Talk to us about this, man. Uh, I mean, not much. You know, uh, we're just making our way up there, climbing the ladders. Um, I feel like uh, soon I'll be able to get my shot. But right now I just got to prove to everyone that I belong here, and I feel like I do. Uh, you're a Dallas guy. You've stepped up incrementally, and each time you do, man, last two fights against some veterans and Mauricio Herrera, Antonio Orozco, we're like, okay, let, let's check out where he's really at. Mm-hmm. These guys these guys aren't finishing the fight. Yeah. So trying to gauge where are you really at, man, you look like the goods right now. How hard is it when you're like, I'll fight those champions tomorrow <laughs> to realize this is a process and there's, yeah. there's steps on this ladder. I mean, it's it's uh, definitely hard. You know, uh, I, I am stopping these guys. I've never been stopped before. Um, so really, we don't know where my ceiling is at right now. But as uh, as I start fighting harder uh, opposition, you know, I, I do want to take harder fights. I don't, I don't want to take easier fights. I don't like step-down fights or filler fights or anything like that. I'd rather uh, cut to the chase. uh like I'm saying, uh, I don't know what I'm saying. I already hey, lost my chance. Hey, just keep saying it. Whatever, whatever you're saying, just keep saying it. In that Orozco fight, that was that was August. There was a little, little fun little moment in there. Orozco's mm-hmm. a tough dude. Oh, yeah. You you got the best of him there. Mm-hmm. He, he he gave you his best, is what I'm saying. And there was he was there was a round where he was landing some stuff, and mm-hmm. I'm saying, okay, let's see, let's see if Virgil's got a chin. Let's see how he responds. The, the the instantaneous nature in which you absorb what he hit you with and was like, here's the receipt. I'm going to one-up that. Yeah. Reminded me of like Eric Morales. I used to love when somebody would get that, would would get the, the legend clean because yeah. he'd come right back with two, three more. Mm-hmm. And then quickly you stopped him right after that. Talk about that sort of, that moment in that fight where he kind of lit you up a little bit. Okay. Uh, well, as a fight, uh, in the first round, I, I hurt him to the body. I, I, I hurt him pretty bad. I didn't see it when I landed the first one, but the second one, he made a face. He turned around. I'm like, all right, man, this is it. And uh, I started welling on him, and I was like, I got I to gotta slow down. That's when you see me just stop. Like, I back off. I'm like, all right, I'm not going to finish him in the first round. I know I'm not going to do that. So I started, uh, you know, just picking it up just a little bit, and uh, he started picking it up too. And you know he like I like you said I think it was like the fourth or the fifth round when he started landing the shots and uh, see my problem was after the first round I was stuck in sparring mode I wasn't going all out at all I wasn't fighting yet I was just you know I was just being a little technician just trying to see what was open and all that and then the light switch clicked something something happened something yeah, changed that yeah right I was like you know what something's I told myself in the corner something's got to change like. I can't fight the whole fight this way. So then that's when I say, you know, I'm going to start fighting and I stopped them that round. Impressive stuff. Uh, when you look at the future, how many fights away are you from a title shot? I mean, uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, you've only got how, how many pro fights? 14 and 0 with 14 KOs. 
it seems to be the hot trend these days to mm-hmm. get to get a title shot before your twentieth fight. Are you? Oh, yeah. that? oh that, that, I was just thinking that I, I would love a title shot before my twentieth fight. That it would look cool, just uh, a world title, and my fights are still in the teens. That that be that'll be very cool to me. How are you doing on navigating the business side of it? Because it's something that seems like fighters have to learn along the way. When you mm-hmm. look at your brethren in the Golden Boy stable, Canelo, uh, Ryan Garcia, kind of taking a stand against the promoter, making big headlines, but getting things done, getting the deals they need. Mm-hmm. What do you think watching that from the outside going in and you know knowing you're, you're going to be next in that lineage? Yeah. Um, I feel like some people have their ways of getting what they want. For me, I just do what I'm supposed to, and then every, all the good things will come to me. I like that. I like that attitude. Mm-hmm. What do you think you bring to the welterweight division right now? When you look at the landscape, the big names, the champions, and you're starting to think, okay, I might want to fight this guy. might want to get in line for this guy. What do you bring to the table that's that's different? Um, I don't know if I have anything different, but, you know, a lot of people love to see, you know, that, that young fighter who a lot of people might not think he's going to be, beat someone. And I think that I have a lot of skill, uh, I'm smart, power. I definitely have what it takes to upset one of these champions. When I see you, I see the power in both hands, but I see the finisher's instinct. Has that been something that had been inside of you since the amateur, since the first time you laced up, that that when you get somebody hurt, you you know how to get them out of there? Oh, definitely. You know, uh, and and it's kind of hard to to work on it sometimes because in sparring, I'm not going to finish my guy. I don't get to practice it. I I just have it, I guess. You know, it's something that you either have it or you don't. Who are you being trained by these days? Robert Garcia. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Going, going right to the top there. How, how many fights in are you with him? What does he bring to the table that you like about this relationship? I think I have four. Let me see. My tenth fight. I have five fights with him already. Uh, you know, he, he definitely brings all the experience that he has with me. Uh, Pita, of course. Uh, a lot of experience as well. You get some sparring with Mikey as well? Yes. Uh, yeah, I spar uh, everyone around there my weight. Uh, even people not my weight. I spar 168 sometimes. You know, Um uh, it just uh it I get all the sparring. The sparring comes to us too because you know we have the sparring already, and you know I see a little bit of everything. I get to work on uh, different stuff for when I see it later in the future. You're a Dallas guy, one of the best welterweights in the world right now. Errol Spence Jr., the unified champion. We we were all, of course, we're happy to see him recover from that crash mm-hmm. without anything serious. Don't know the timeline on his future, but two unbeaten. Dallas Stars oh, yeah. in a welterweight title bout one day? Is that something you think about? Oh, definitely. I, I, I always think about that. Uh, sometimes I think that we'll fight in the, the Cowboys Stadium, maybe sell it out because, you know, we're uh, two hometown fighters uh, undefeated, uh, definitely uh, the top welterweights. Uh, it would be dumb not to make that fight. Indeed, indeed. When you look at the welterweight picture right now, outside of yourself, you're climbing the ladder. Who thinks the best welterweight in the world? We have this debate a lot in yeah. the pound for pound rankings. A lot of people like Crawford. A lot of people like Spence. Hey, man, Manny Pacquiao is still not out of this conversation yeah, exactly, yet. Right? Who, who's the best in your eyes? Man, it's it's, it's kind of hard. Um, I mean, resume wise, it's going to be Pacquiao, but at the same time, I think Crawford has the most skill out of all of them. But at the same time, I think Spence probably has the best shot because you know he, his size and his. He's smart as well. Maybe not as smart and uh, technically clean as Crawford is, but he definitely has a size. And if uh, Spence were to land a good shot on uh, Crawford, you know, we've seen Crawford days against, uh, what's his name, uh, Gamboa? Gamboa, yes. Yeah. That's a good fight. So if 
another shot happen like that. But with Arrow, you know, he was way bigger than Gamboa. You know, who knows what happens. All right, to close here, when it gets time for you to step up and make the big fights. Like, everybody wants Crawford and Spence. Mm-hmm. And we're like, well, two different networks, promoters, man. We may have to do the Mayweather-Pacquiao journey to get there. You're in a whole separate silo with Golden Boy and DAZN. Will it be hard, do you think, to make the big fights against the big names when it becomes time? You know, it's it's tough. We, there's, there's cold wars in boxing. Yeah. This guy won't work with this guy. There's all that BS. Do you have any fears of that, that you'll be on an island like Crawford is right now? Yeah. Um, I think that we'll get what we want. I, I think that we'll, we'll just uh, let uh, just let everything flow. Everything's going to start flowing in my direction uh, pretty soon. Uh, everyone's going to start seeing, oh, you know what? We want to fight this guy. And we, we, they're not, they're not going to care about, you know, any, uh, you know, whatever they got going over there. I think everyone's going to want to start fighting me pretty soon. I love that attitude. This guy, this guy, watch him, watch him. Virgil Ortiz Jr., thanks you so much, brother. Great talking to you. Best of luck moving forward. Thank you. All right, we're already talking baseball <laughs> with Brian Kenny, and you can do that with a jack-of-all-trades. The voice of DeZone is going to be on the call for Canelo Kovalev. On Saturday, but he's directly from the World Series. This is a man who in the past has stood out on that ledge. He's killed the win. He's <laughs> killed everybody who thought Pacquiao Bradley won was a robbery. He might kill me right now. Brian Kenny, great to have you back on the show. Good to sir. have you back. I'm glad you remember some of the talking points. Oh, Excellent. Yeah. Excellent stuff. Um, World Series. It was a wild seven-game series, correct? It was. It was strange because when the home team never wins, you never quite get that momentum. But I think game six fixed a lot of uh, entertainment issues because that was wild. You had the uh, interference call. There's just a lot of strange things. You had the carrying the bat to first base, yes. which evidently you cannot do. Very Pedro Serrano. I, yeah, which I'm all in favor of. Yes. Uh, you know, yes. I, I thought it was fine. But then you had all these weird things. It's a high level of competition. I think it's – I'll give you my big picture take is that – um, we're in an era of super teams, right? There's haves and have-nots, but the haves have gotten super powerful because they can just, you know, garner more resources. Um, and it turns out the Nationals were on that level after June, right? The level of, you know, the, the Dodgers, Yankees, Astros, probably in that inverse order. I think the Astros were the best team in baseball. I like it when the best team wins because that's happened the last couple of years, and it makes sense of our universe. I don't like when some wild card comes out, and it's like, well, what the hell are we doing for six months? I, you know, you. I don't like I that. Um, but I don't think anybody has that feeling now. The Nationals were underdogs because the Astros were so powerful. But, um, but when you have horses and the uh, pitchers, can you be an underdog when you got pitchers like that? Yeah, well, look, it's a 93-win team. They were looking up at the Braves the whole year. Yes. They never caught the Braves. They never caught a real whiff of them. So the whole year you're thinking Braves are the division champs, Braves are the division Hey, Nationals, can they get it together? So they're a 93-win team. The difference between 93 and 107 is, is significant. That's so, true. That's yeah, true. no, the, immense talent. I mean, there's nobody that went in and say, oh, these guys, they're the little sisters of the poor. Uh, they're powerful. But the Astros were better. And I'm just stunned. Look, they beat the Dodgers. They sh- and they, they could have lost to the Dodgers at any minute. They could have lost to the Brewers at any minute. You know, they, they could have been knocked out. But I guess that's, that's the competition. You play it out. You have to put yourself at that high level so you have a shot at one of those big yes. boys. You're immensely passionate about the box game. We remember you from the great legendary interviews with Floyd Mayweather. You're intensely passionate about baseball as well. Uh, everyone sort of has a team as a fan that wins their hearts 
and you look like me, the 88 Mets, man, that's my damn team. Hmm. Still sore about Game 7 of the NLCS, 6 nothing or all Horsheiser. What's your, what's what year, what's your team that, the, in, in, in the Hudson Valley, New York area? Is that where you grew up or did you grow no, up in no, Long No, 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 I was on Long Island. Long Island yeah. you grew up. Then what, what was, what was the year, what was the team that made a young BK angry for the first time and, and fired up? Oh, I was, uh, I mean, I've been a baseball fan my entire life, so my, my earliest recollections are kind of the, uh, Bobby Mercer Yankees. Yes. Um, and at the same time, uh, I, I was a Yankee fan, but it had to be, you know, Tom Seaver and Jerry Kuzman were, you know, 10 miles from my house playing ball. You know, it's not far away. You were a young kid at, so, the, at, the, at the great 69 run. They uh, I was a little kid then. It was more 73 when I was more aware, yes, to be honest. Yes. Um, so I wasn't like, oh, the sixth the Miracle Mets. I'm in kindergarten. I have no idea. Yeah. But by 73, no, it's like Wayne Garrett, yes. Uh, but I'm more of a Yankee fan. And so the 76 Yankees are that team for me because they finally broke through. Chris Chambliss hitting that home run was was like one of those epic moments for oh, yeah. you know me and my dad in our living room in Levittown. The the uh, the fans they they did not let him touch home plate. They barely did, right? The old the old days were different. The old days yes. were very rough. That was the that, 70s. That was son man. of Sam. That, <laughs> that, was, that was a wild time in New York. It was a wild. My time. My parents took me. I think when I was five. So that's eighty three Christmas time. Took a day off from school. Took the train down to you know did the Radio City. Did all that stuff. It was a seminal moment of my youth. At five years old, did New York City. Did the big buildings. Years later, my dad's showing me the pictures. Okay, it was 1983, right? Showing me the pictures. He goes, see my jacket? See how it's it's puffed up in that spot? He was on a handgun right there. I'm like, Dad, you were what, 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 was, dad, was your dad a cop? No, see, I my dad. My dad was, he was a, a fireman. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, hey, you owned a hand, handgun? He's like, right. It was it was it was Cracktoberfest down there you in know uh, oh, in. Uh, not, well, my father was a detective in that era, in the Fun City era. My uncle was a homicide detective in that era. Oh NYPD. wow, you got stories. So there. there are all there are lots of no stories. I wonder why you're killing the way. So wow. uh, yeah, that's so uh, yeah. It was a rough era. So anytime I hear, you know, look, in this general thought, like, hey, we're going to hell in a handbasket. I'm like, no, 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 no. We already did that. <laughs> it's better. Life is better now. I can walk around. I have, you know, I have five kids, three of my daughters, and they're walking around Penn Station at midnight, taking a train back to us, and. There, and I'm walking around with them sometimes, and everybody's looking at their phones. Everyone's walking around, and I said, and I look around. and said, "We would all be killed in 1977. Yes. You could not do that." Now it's an exaggeration, but it was just much rougher. I was always taught, "Keep your head on a swivel, look around, don't meet anybody in the well, meet them in the eye, but don't don't hold don't, the gaze, yeah, don't look, look the around, eye, no. do all that." Is, and the same thing at stadiums is that, and thank God, so thank God we're in the era that we are in now. I saw a guy get thrown out for heckling Zach Greinke at uh, Game Four at Yankee Stadium. And Isn't that wild? It's, it's like, have you guys ever you been go, in man. the bleachers of Yankee Stadium before the year two thousand? I mean, uh, remember they had a rule in the bleachers: you could you could do one thing really wrong, and they'd put a they punch a hole in your ticket. But if you did two, you were ejected. So people <laughs> to get that one get out of jail free. I mean, I've seen some obscene things back in the yeah, day. But no know? one wants to actually live with that. That's you know, true. No, it's, That's true. It's bad enough. And I was sitting out there. Actually, I was in the judges' chambers. Um, out, out there during that game four, I was out there. My daughter works for Glad. It was Spirit Day. Oh, nice. The Yankees actually donated tickets to to Glad, you know, for, for LGBTQ yes, youth. Yes. Uh, but it was kind of funny. The juxtaposition: the bleacher creatures were there, and they still have some profane taunts, uh, all in uh, you know good nasty fun. Uh, but during that, my daughter's there opening her sh- shirt. It says, you know, <laughs> anti-bullying. And she's pointing, looking at the guys going, please, like, we're not supposed to be bullying here. What are we doing? Yeah, people but- don't realize that, that uh, 9-11 changed baseball attending culture in terms of what you can bring into a stadium. Pre-9-11, mm-hmm. so game six of the 2000 NLCS. When I say that, you think three hit shut out Mike Hampton, right? That's what you think. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. okay. Al Leiter and Hampton. Yeah. And Mets Cardinals, I'm in okay. the crowd. I set a National League Championship Series record that day. By sneaking six cans of Bud Ice 
into the stadium <laughs> in my jeans. Okay, post 9-11, you can't get an erection into a stadium. Yeah, well, I hope not. Uh, certainly, I don't <laughs> wow, want anything wow. you got walking right, in there. Hello. Yeah. I think, but basically, I think the culture is, is better with that. There should be civility at these events. They can get very unsafe. Very you want to be able to go there with your wife, your kids. You want to be able to do that. And if someone, even if they're screaming, and look, I'm not all PC, but you know, the, the, the jackass culture is so high. Yeah. If you let, if you let packs of dudes do what they want, you know, that's why your dad's carrying a gun. Yep. You know, so you don't want that. So I, 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 you know, I just did the World Series and, and people are friendly. Nice. No, you know, I'm on TV. You figure someone's going to yell something stupid. It almost never happens. People are very polite. People are very good. So I think we're at a different level of civility. Just to throw it in as, Funny you know, we always know all oh, things are so terrible now. Yes. No, they're not. No, they're they not. changed. And, they, and also things are terrible in New York. I went to a, um, a Cubs Cardinals game in 2001. Sammy Sosa had his 50th homer that day. Mm -hmm. I was finally living my dream of shirtless bleacher creature. Right? <laughs> and and, I, and uh, I, my friend and I go, hey, there's a lull in the action. Let's say something really bad about Jim Edmonds' mother. I oh, had, oh. so it was like one, two, three. And we, you know, we brought the filth. We brought the New York filth, right? And the Cubs fans turned on me. I go, isn't this Cubs Cardinals? Isn't this a rivalry to the death? They stood up and pointed, it was him, it was him, and security comes over and gets in my face, and they're like, you do that again, you're out of here, and I'm like, do that again? That's the, the baseline of New York baseball, that's the beginning, that's the entry point. Well, you needed some Midwestern civility, my I, friend, wow. and, right. and thank goodness for Ooh. that. All right, back to boxing here. Um, You've had wars, the great wars with Floyd Mayweather, we detailed it at length last time. Have you had any baseball wars? Has your hot takes on the on the MLB network forced uh, a player or a manager to be like, if I ever get in front of this Kenny guy, we're going at it? Oh, it was um, it was that way for years. I mean, there was a huge culture war, um, you know, scouts versus sabermetrics, basically, yes. and that's an oversimplification, of course. But what we've seen in the last, I, I can't even tell you how it's accelerated in the last four years since I wrote my book, because it was already like it was going away at the time I was writing the book of like how. Does this old culture have all these anachronisms in it? And how are you not allowing a free flow of information for a competitive advantage? You know, it's just, it, and it's herd mentality. It's just we're all this way. We're humans. I thought baseball was a fascinating test case. But what I found was um, when the old guard is challenged, they not only have to think, they get angry. Yes. And that is another human thing that, to think about. Uh, even as you think it transcends everything, including baseball, um, that when present, we hold dearly the information that we get when we're young and then when we lock it in and we hold on to it a lot more tightly than we believe. So we think the other person's just out of his mind when it's like, wait, wait, open your mind for a second. Wow. And I try to do that now too. When I hear, hey, wait a second, BK, I know you love Gabe Kapler managing the Phillies. However, there is a lot more to the job. And okay, now that we're all talking that and talking the same language of production and logic, I can then bend back and say, okay, I see that. There's a lot of um, warm and fuzzy elements to leadership that have nothing to do with your bold strategy, and that also has value. So I think there was anger for years, and now anybody, any old schoolers who are still saying this on base stuff or, oh, you and your fancy numbers, it's like, yeah. well, you know, the industry has left you behind. So sure. you, better, you better know the fancy numbers and then go back to the human skills. I love it. I love the passion here. Uh, at some point, we should actually probably talk about boxing, and it's a great <laughs> fight this weekend. 
and we've hit it from every possible angle. Most of those angles, though, surrounding Canal. What, what 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 angle interests you the most? Because I just well, I just spoke to both fighters, both main event fighters. Um, you tell you me. You know the, the the balls of Canelo, and I talked to Larry Merchant. I said, look, like what Canelo is doing, and we're praising him for. That's what men used to do in the sport of boxing. It used to be, you know, you get to a certain point of success in one division, you go, what would happen if I moved up a couple more? Mm-hmm. Nowadays, it's we have to stop and say in the boxing businessman era, no, Canelo, you're doing, you're you're doing a service to the fans in the sport by trying to find out how great you can be and not just sitting here and saying, okay, I'll fight all those other middleweights. I'll make the same money each time. Who cares? No, he's challenging himself. Yeah. That, that, that's a great narrative right there. Not enough people talking about the Kovalev narrative of the redemptive 36-year-old who had the mystique of the crusher mm-hmm. crushed mm-hmm. by Andre Ward twice, losing on a one-punch knockout to lighter Alvarez. Too, you know? Absolutely. Kind of got ripped off. And yeah. uh, this is like a, a gift, certainly financially for him, but will he come in there with the... Uh, this is this house money. This is gravy. And this small guy is going to try to walk me down? Yeah. Could that lead to to the kind of entertainment that that bre- that you know builds new fans and keeps us hooked to this death-defying horrible red light <laughs> sport that we love? Um well, there's a lot to unpack in that question. Um I think it is fascinating. I think what we've seen is it's rare to have a superstar um in his prime. Because it usually takes you a long time to build your brand yes. value, as you know. Um, and even for Floyd Mayweather, it took years. He was like, you know, a multi-division champion. Um, had defended, you know, probably, I don't know, a dozen times before. Was already, you know, uh, uh, fighter of the year in 1998 and the whole thing. It, it, before he became a star. He was, he was a fighter and a champion. And just, you know, was, that's why he was complaining about his money for so long. I was like, wait a second. I'm, I thought I was doing this the right way. And what you learn is, no, you have to jump up and take these business opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a business opportunity for Canelo, and I don't say that in a disparaging way. He's a true sportsman. You know, fighting Austin Trout and Arizlali Landa, the, the, the risk-reward there ain't great. Right. Even now when I mention, hey, is this going to be, if, this is, if, this, if he wins this fight, will this be his greatest win? And I throw in Austin Trout and Arizlali Lara, and people are like, ugh, bore. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know what? Actually, boxing those guys at that point in their careers was extremely Going difficult. Out of his way to do yeah, it, yeah. 154, you're going to fight these guys who are just slick boxers who can really box. No, you want and, and and catching trout when he was peaking. You know, like it's another thing, you know, when we talk about Floyd. Floyd was smart at like, do I need this guy right now? No, I don't. How about next year? How about uh, he's going to get the guys at the right time? Canelo is getting guys at their peak. So, him moving up now and saying, all right, at one, like, move up to 175. Like, I don't want Triple G. Like that was his motivation huh? clearly throughout. Everyone wants me to fight this guy. Well, nobody cleared it through me. And so now I can do what I want, but to move up and say, hey, not Callum Smith at 68, but let me get one of the champions or titleists at 175. And I kind of, I'll put them all at the same level. I don't know who the best is there. It might be better Bev at this point. Bivol is extremely yes. skilled. It, Kovalev has the best resume of the bunch. I think uh, Canelo believes he's peaking, right? He thinks he's at his best. I thought he looked tremendous against Danny Jacobs. Um, and I think he thinks he carries the weight well. He's strong. And I thought he, he thought that guy, that's my best risk reward nexus, meaning everybody thinks he's the man, he's the crusher, and I will go- look good boxing the hell out of that yes. guy. It's this is I give him credit. I give him credit. Well, and it is a chance. Look, it's, it's a physical sport. And when you I just sat across from Kovalev, we just did our fighter meetings. I was sitting right across from him and I, I couldn't help. Look, it's a physical world. Couldn't help looking and saying, Jesus, that's a long reach. Jesus is a big guy, like yeah. for 75. Not everybody at, at that weight is, is that big. He's big and long. We know he's got power. He's also extraordinarily calm. Have you noticed that? I have. And there's nothing more they important say than that. They say he's happy. 
with Buddy McGurdon. You know how sometimes it's the right trainer at the yep. right time. Look at, look at late career Cotto with Freddie Roach. You get that right trainer at the right time that just makes you feel it. They say he's happy for the first time since the Cleverly fight to win the title in 2012. It could be. He's had a lot of things in his life. A lot of things have gone badly for him. Uh, in boxing, should have been a bigger star. I thought he won that first fight with Andre Ward. I understand. I'm not going to, you know, you know me. I'm not going to go crazy on judging. Oh, it's corrupt. It's like, no, stop, relax. Oh, but fight, it just yeah. happens. But he sh- but he was dominating that fight, and Ward did everything he could to eke out enough rounds to possibly get a win. Yeah. Second fight, I thought that was illegal shots that stopped him. Yeah, yeah. Did you? Am I off on that? No, that was. I was, but he was pretty much out on his feet from that right okay, hand. Okay, though. but, all right, so he hits him in the groin, but, but, uh, but, but he was almost out anyway. Uh, okay. Well, what are we talking about? He's got a gripe. He's got. A gripe. He's got. So he's got a legitimate gripe with that, and then things go south in in his world. He obviously didn't um, live holistically for a number of yes. years. Maybe um, not the best guy to sit on an airplane with next to. Yes, we've, heard, uh, we've heard reports. Maybe I've heard. Look, I, I can't even. I don't know, and I don't know. Um, <laughs> no, I don't know. The same thing. Read him. I'm like, Jesus, but I have no idea. Um, but I know this: when it comes to this fight, the most important thing in the world is your experience yes. and your state of mind. And he looks calm. He looks extraordinarily calm. Does that mean he's going to win? New, no, but he gives him the best possible chance. Because if Floyd Mayweather, you can learn a lot from Floyd. Floyd has always said in these events, the biggest thing, especially you know, leading up to the fight, is maintaining your composure. And and, he, and and here's where we, you know, I think in hindsight we're going to give Floyd way more credit than we did in the time because we were rightfully critical of the decision making. But in hindsight, one of the things you never take away from him exactly that his ability to have mass chaos going on outside the ring and to step through those ropes and just Hold and just center himself. And, I mean, it, it, it always blows me away. It I always s- does. I said to him after he beat Marquez, and there's one fight he doesn't get enough credit yeah. for, Juan Manuel Marquez, man. He won every minute of every round. And I said this to him when he came out. I did an, uh, an interview with him. I was with ESPN at the time. And I said, you, I said, you might be the best tournament fighter of all time. I said, you really might be. You could put Floyd in any like kind of fantasy round robin time travel tournament, and you can't say, oh no, he wouldn't be able to handle this guy. Oh no, uh, you know, Lamada would be too rough. Hagler would be too strong. It's like it's against anybody. You know, his size makes a difference. Maybe we'd have to go to lightweights and welterweights, but almost against anybody, he'd be consistently good. Like when everybody finished up and Hagler went, you know, eight and one, but he got stopped in his, in the one and Tommy Hearns went this and that and Duran lost three out of four or whatever it was, but he not, but he knocked out the guy who had the best record. Like all those crazy permutations, like the guy who I think would emerge with the best win loss is Floyd Mayweather because he's just consistent, like mentally consistent, physically consistent. He was heading into jail ahead of the Cotto fight and he kept it together ahead of the first Maidana fight. He had that big breakup and that awful tweet about abortion got deleted. I mean, there was a lot of chaos going on in his personal life, and he can always center it. So to bring it full circle, final topic here. Does Canelo, in your eyes, have that same mental makeup? Because for the first time in a Canelo fight, I can, I can imagine maybe since the tainted beef incident, we're talking almost as much about Oscar versus Canelo and the mm-hmm. soap opera and the is he happy and the is he going to leave and all this stuff as we are about Cold War. Um, yes, I think Alvarez is... Uh, is championship pedigree from the very start. I think he is the real thing. You talk about there's no faking it in there. You have to, li- as I mentioned, you have to live holistically. You have to be totally dedicated. You have to be focused. And this guy has never gone in and stunk it out. Never. He's been at his best. Look, he went in even in the DAZN era, right? Now he goes in at 168, Rocky Fielding. All right, but he destroyed yes. him. And then, look, I- I'm, I'm partial to him because I love the way he boxes. 
maybe I gave him too many rounds against Danny Jacobs or I hear from people like, oh, you love Canelo. I'm like, I love clean, effective punching. I don't know. What do you want from me? And But I, I, I think he's I think he's marvelous. I, I really do. I, th- I, have, I hold him in the highest regard because it's extremely difficult to deal with success. He had a lot of success early. And look, look around the boxing where we can go guy after guy. We just mentioned it with Kovalev. Um, you get to the top, man. Yeah. Almost everybody, something happens because dealing with success is extremely difficult. So I think he is at that that rare level, <clears throat> like Floyd was in the ring. He seems to be able to do it, it, you know, in all capacities. Staying grounded, and he just got his wife's eyes tattooed on the inside of his left forearm. So everywhere he goes, anytime he reaches for something bad, his wife is looking at him. <laughs> I guess that's the secret to success. All right, I could, you know, I mean. See, that's the level of dedication we're talking about. Brian Kenny, I could go hours with you. It's great talking to you. Best of luck this weekend. I'm a big Todd Grisham fan, okay? So I may have said, hey, Todd, I'm going to interview Brian Kenny tomorrow. I'm going to ask him to step aside so that you can step into the broadcast. I was just puffing his pillow up a little bit, all right? We love Todd Grisham. He's a wild dude. Todd Todd is a lot of fun. Uh, And if my voice is gone tomorrow, it's because I sat here for three hours talking about what (laughs) St. Louis Cardinals in the 80s. So indirectly, I wore your voice down enough so Todd will take over tomorrow. But no, great talking to you, man. Go get him. All right, thanks, MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.